welcome to Movies on the Rocks. We are the Motor Boys, as always. This is episode 13, boys. Fucking halfway there, man. We're halfway, halfway through the alphabet. Oh, I'm like, okay, halfway through the alphabet. I thought, thought, thought that's what you alphabet. were talking about. Now, uh, when season two rolls around, who God knows what the hell's going to happen. Like, we're probably going to start all over again. But either way, in this season, we are halfway through the choices of the alphabet. That's not including, you know, the Halloween special, which, you know, we'll uh, figure something out later yeah, on, it's on that. it's coming. I know it's coming. Uh, it's coming, baby. And that's not going to be included as an, as, a, as an episode. No, no, no. That's going to be in addition to. It'll be like a bonus special, folks. Oh, so we'll bonus. have 26 plus one and yes, you know, maybe, at least, a, maybe a Christmas at least. or something. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Or, the, or maybe it's the Dune one that we talked about. Who knows? We're just going to enjoy ourselves and see where it goes, baby. See where it goes. But anyways, in any case, so uh, like I said, we are the Motor Boys. This is episode 13. Um, the What we do here in the Motor Boys is we watch movies like always. We say we watch movies um, in alphabetical order, regardless of the genre. Uh, this week's episode, we will be looking at the motion picture, the 90s sci-fi kung fu classic. Wait 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 wait, wait 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 you can't intro this movie without mentioning that it is heavily influenced the cyber uh, cyberpunk. Wait, we haven't gotten yeah, that far I, yet. I was going to say that like there's like there's so many different okay. kinds of there's a genre this like, thing fits into. Genres. All right, all right, all right, all right. So so very much apparently, noir, apparently, cyberpunk. Why don't I why don't I just homes. let you jackasses just intro it? Okay, go ahead. Martial arts, wire work. Amazing. Worry, we'll give you another shot. Someone okay. hard, hard Either way. Like, oh. 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 <laughs> Eggplant emoji. All right, guys. Tomas, I'll so, give you your second chance. Take two. Oh, Here we go. Okay. Claps late. All right. So, but either way, it's going to stay in anyways. In any case, the 90s sci-fi, cyberpunk, uh, kung fu, uh, action, bullet ballet, classic. I'm going to stop it there because that's already five. <laughs> Classic, okay, <laughs> okay, that is known as the Matrix. All right, so yeah. we're gonna talk about that today. And as always, movies on the rocks. It is myself, Bebo, or Tomas, but Bebo, or my brother and my brother Goody. Hello, hello, and of course, as always, Derek. Oh man, awesome. <laughs> I didn't get an actual <laughs> intro. Hey, everybody. Oh, I was, <laughs> was going to give you. And, of I course, had of, Derek. I, I had thought, you know, what, you know what? I have At one, least it's I, not insulting. I mean, no, that's, that's I was one close. thing. I was about to have, I was about to use another one. You know what? Fuck it. And, of course, the curly to me and Goody's Three Stooges, Derek. There we go. <sighs> there it is. All right. All right. Okay. You know what? To be fair, like. A lot of people, like at least Curly had like a kind of a catchphrase type thing, and people probably know his name. The other guys are gonna be like, "We want the funny hair, but he was bald and the bowl cut guy." You know, people like people know Curly. They might not know the other two guys' names. That Mo and Larry, by the way. Fun fun fact: Curly's son is Bobcat Goldthwait. Fun fact. Anyways, um, as always on movies on the rocks, we watch a movie. And we discuss it here on the podcast while we drink. Today. Uh-oh. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Today. For the SMR kids, they just all eggplant emoji. <laughs> yes, yes. 
All right, so before we start, mm, okay, really fucking good. Sorry, what, what the hell was that? <laughs> that was I was that was me getting to my beer because I poured a little too much, but it's delicious. Um, before we start, Goody, go ahead and give us our discretionary message. Uh, well, uh, as always, if this is the first time listening, or if you're listening ten thousand years in the future, and therefore it's probably would apply to you because you have transcended physical consumption of things. Uh, I'm assuming that we as humans have already gone to the energy phase of uh, evolution. Anyway, post-human phase, the like transhuman phase, the transhuman phase, uh, or like that last kind of like in uh, Babylon Five when they um skipped ahead. It doesn't matter. Forget. Anyway, uh, well, anyway. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> There's going to be drinking involved. Um, and so please, we're all drinking here. We've got, I've got a drink. My brother's got a drink. Derek's got a drink. Uh, and if you've got a drink, please enjoy it with us. Join us on this journey. Um, but please, please, please do so only if you are in accordance and you're able to do so in accordance with the laws, rules, and regulations of your respective regions, territories, countries, what have you, states, all that stuff. Uh, if you are not able to drink because of legal reasons, then please do not drink. But if so, join in on the festivities. Um, and, uh, there we go. Prost. Yay. All right. So, um, Tomas, I don't think we heard. Oh, wait, the, uh, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. Uh, because there's going to be consumption of alcohol, uh, the language may get a little spicy. And as such, everything is being done in good fun. Having a good time here, all that stuff. But if we say anything that offends anyone, uh, please understand there's not our intention. We're just, uh, having a good time, telling jokes and just, just it, it fellowshipping with each other and all of you out there. Yeah. Yay. Basically, we're dumb. Don't blame us. Um, Tomas, uh, what, what is it that you just opened? I just opened, uh, right now a can from a brewery called Pipeworks Brewing Company. Um, okay, and uh, let me see where they're out of. This is the first time I've ever had them. Anyways, they're called Pipeworks Brewing Company. Um, actually, they're out of Chicago, all right? Uh, Chicago, Chicago. And this uh, is an Imperial Milk Stout called Got Ya Covered. So basically, it's supposed to taste like a chocolate-covered pretzel. And is that a mall rats reference? It's damn, oh, maybe, who knows? But it's a uh, Imperial oh, God, Milk, it's, it's, it's an Imperial Milk Stout Ale. It's delicious. Imperial milk stout ale with lactose, cacao nibs, vanilla, pretzels, and sea salt. And I will be honest with you, it's damn good. Do you damn remember? Good. Do you remember the chocolate covered pretzel joke from Mallrats? Hell yeah, dude! And I remember uh, every time Do you I look stink palm them. Do you stink palm them? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I always think. I, I think whenever I see Yandu, I think of the chocolate covered pretzels. Always, always. <laughs> Oh my god. Even when uh, I saw him in uh Walking Dead, I'm like, yep, there it is. Yeah, there it is. It's, it's like you know, it's like you like and of course, you know, everybody this guy's jacking off next to me and the other guy's jacking off. And so, you know, everybody eventually in the plane and then all of a sudden the plane stops. And we all get off and no one looks at each other ever again. But they all knew what happened. God, I forgot all about that part. <laughs> 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 Anyways, Goody, Derek. Uh, whichever one of you guys goes first. Uh, what are you? What are you drinking tonight? I'll go. Mine's boring. I've got more Corona prem, uh, Premier. Uh, I'm still working my way through that. Uh, what was it? A twelve pack? Jeez. All right. Uh, as for me, um, it's actually I'm pretty sure it's what I had last time, and so I'm still just trying to get through the bottle. I'm um, having more of the Bacardi four year old on um, 
a four-year-old rum on uh, just some, some Coke, a little Bacardi and Coke and all that. I'm going to finish that probably tonight uh, while we're doing this. And then if that happens, I'll just then dive headlong into some bourbon, uh, whether that be Woodward Reserve, Woodford, Woodford Reserve, or that be Bullet. I don't know. We'll see how where the wind takes us. Hopefully three sheets to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. I liked it. All right. Um, is that, is that mean that it's, uh, news time? I think so. I think it is time for the news. All right. To the news desk. News of the day. On this, the 1st of October in the year 2020 CE of the common era. Anyway, so there's a bunch of different news uh, going on here. And again, uh, that's like, like I said, it's October 1st. Uh, we'll see what we're going to be doing, talking about that. But, um, for those of you that are listening again, 10,000 years in the future, here's a little slice of what's going on in pop culture entertainment news. Um, Basically, one of the big things that I've been seeing a lot of, uh, now this is all heavily, heavily, heavy rumors. One of the first things I mentioned, heavy, heavy rumors, but there is all, there are all these rumors flying around now, uh, about all these different actors, um, getting some kind of role or playing some sort of character in the MCU. Now, the reason why that's such a big deal is because of the fact that, uh, and this is what's kind of everyone's saying is the, is the, the reason for this possibility is that because of the Doctor Strange movie, right, and Multiverse of Madness coming out, the, the kind of vehicle he's going to be right, doing right, with right. Uh, with a Scarlet Witch, right? Uh, that's opening the door for all these different actors to possibly pay, play the heroes we've seen, but different person doing it because it's you can always chalk it up to they're in a different universe. Goody, before um, you go any further, somebody wants to say hi. Say hi to Goody. Hi, Goody. Hi. <laughs> she can hear you. She can hear you. She got the headphones on. Say hi to Derek, too. Say hi, Derek. Hi, Derek. I don't even know you. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You don't remember me. It's fine. <laughs> but it's okay. All right. Bye, Mama. Bye, bye, bye. Sorry, Goody. Go ahead. Anyway, so all these different actors are rumored now to be joining the MCU in some long-term capacity. Unlikely, but maybe, who knows? So one of the big rumors that's not actually kind of on the forefront, which is actually very, um, timely for us and tonight is the possibility that, um, Keanu Reeves is in talks to be the Johnny Blaze version of Ghost Rider. Yeah, I read about that. I read about that. That's a, that's a possibility. But the thing is that I take that, I take that with a grain of salt because Keanu Reeves, they apparently have been like going after him for a long time. They being the MCU. They should. Yeah, they should. For a long time to get him to be, to do something and be in these movies. And so that's a possibility. Now, if you know anything about the MCU, you know that John, that Ghost Rider, uh, did appear in the MCU already in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything though, because A, possible multiverse, and that's always a good little out for everything. Uh, that you can always have another person play a character because it's a multiverse character or something. Uh, but also, if you don't want to go that route, the Ghost Rider can inhabit multiple people and has inhabited multiple people. The one in the in the in the Agents of Shield was, I think, his name is yeah, it was Robbie Reyes version. Robbie Reyes, yeah, yeah, and, 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 that, and, and honestly, and honestly, yeah, the, there's there's there can be there's multiple types of Ghost Rider too. I mean, it's I mean, Ghost Rider in his world where Ghost Rider originally comes from, where the demon actually comes from. It's not just him. There's multiple demons that are the same that are just like that just spirit like of vengeance or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There are multiple yeah. spirits of vengeance. There, there are literally armies of them in that dimension. And so Robbie Reyes 
could be consumed by a different one than what Johnny Blaze is. So, so um, I mean, all that's good and that, that's fine, but how, do you, how are we not already talking about the fact that they could have Captain America, Chris Evans, in the same room as Human Torch Chris Evans, in the same room as Michael B. Jordan Human Torch, as Michael B. Jordan and Killmonger? Killmonger, all in no, the same okay, room. So- so here's 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 okay, I don't know if we well those characters two of those characters one of them is like very very old and one of them is dead. All right, prequel, so. whatever. I don't care. <laughs> well, no, but but I see your point that you can get these actors to play some of the same characters, but I don't think they, I think they could go the route of like other. But I mean, yeah, that's that is oh, a possibility. Man. Why not? If well, they I mean, put that cut scene at the end of the credits, I will buy the ticket for that ten seconds alone. So what what I, what I have heard also is that for Captain America you're going to have John Krasinski. You know, and he's going to be taking over Captain America because of the multiverse aspect. And then you're going to have Tom Cruise be a uh, 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 a Tony Stark per se. Now I know that Keanu, they've been going after Keanu for a long time and I know that the possibility is that yeah, he could become Ghost Rider, but he wants to be Wolverine. And he he could be old man Logan if they want to go that route too. Mm, good point. Good point. I guess I don't know. I've really had to with almost all of the MCU. I've really had to lean on hopes and wishes of them making sound decisions um, by the time it makes to the screen because uh, I definitely don't know enough about like the background and the comic lore of all these characters to, I don't know, to steer it or, or be hopeful in one direction or the other, you know, does that make sense? No, not really. I don't know. I I actually, I don't think I understand. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) My point is, I don't know enough. Why don't you go ahead and and do what they want? I mean, I mean, that's why they get paid the big bucks, I guess. Oh, well, and, and, and the nice thing is that like, because they are, their own universe and their own recognized canon universe in the multiverse of Marvel. Like, like they could get anyone to be these characters. Um, and, and honestly, they can get some, an actor to play a character from the prime Marvel universe if they want. As long as they kind of look sort of similar to what the character looks like in the comics, you know? But like they could say, they can get anyone and say, Oh, that's the Earth 616, which is like the prime classic Marvel universe and say, there he is. And his backstory was the same one, but they can do whatever they want with the other, other characters' backstories or the MCU characters' backstories because it's their own universe. So they don't necessarily have to follow, you know, exactly what they did in the comics because they're their own universe and things change differently. Look how many, how many villains they've brought up and disposed of so quickly who were big time villains in the comics, you know, that had a very long period of time and life, you know, well, I mean- and then they're quickly gone. That's kind of been the problem with Sony and Spider-Man so far. Speaking of, what, what's what's the status on Spider-Man? Is it with Sony still? I mean... Okay, so yeah. The, so as far as uh, Spider-Man's concerned, goody could if I'm wrong, it is the same type of... They, they basically are now going almost with the same type of thing where Marvel is handling the production in regards to it's there. They're going to have the story and kind of have uh, Spider-Man be in MCU 
but they're also going to let Spider-Man have his own thing too. You follow? Yeah, look, he's he's able to be in MCU films and crossover, but when they he has his own singular films, yeah, like the like like for example the last one, uh what is it? Far from Home. Um that was one in where there was a lot of, you know, references to the Avengers movie and all that because of, you know, with Tony Stark and spoiler at his death. Hopefully you've seen it um by now. But the thing is that like Tony when did. that Tony lives forever. <laughs> or, well, in some universe he can. I love you 3000. But, <laughs> but the the point is that when he makes his own single movies, um they will make references. They are in the same universe as the other ones, but they'll be more focused on like Spider-Man characters and more focused on like uh Spider-Man his his own rogues gallery if you will. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of what they're doing. The yeah, which is why which is why they're doing the whole characters. Yeah, which is why they're doing the whole Venom and Mobius character. And that's why you saw in, in the Mobius trailer, you saw Michael Keaton, you know, the Vulture show up in the Mobius trailer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and speaking of which, they've announced that uh, Jamie Foxx is going to be reprising his role as Electro. Really? That'll be cool. But wasn't Jared Leto picked for Morbius? He was picked for Mobius. But in the trailer for Mobius... Um, um, Michael Keaton's character that was in the first Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, he showed up in the trailer. Like his character. As his character of the Vulture. As in, his character. In prison, like him and Mobius in from prison. the same prison. Yeah. Hmm. So they made like, that kind of very, that, 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 that was one of those things where, because one of the things that Sony had planned to do was kind of like make their own little Spider-Verse type thing back when there was that real problem between Disney and Sony. And are they going to keep them? Are they going to do what? Are they, what are they make a new deal? And so there was this idea that they were going to kind of like make their own little spider verse, right? And so, you know, this, the Sony universe of Spider-Man, they had this whole name came up with it. Um, and so it was going to be his own thing. He'll, he'll guest star, but like he'll, in the other Marvel movies occasionally when they have to bring them all together. But in general, the idea was that he was going to be, it's going to be, it was going to be very self-contained. So like Venom's going to be his own thing and, and maybe interact with some of the characters like Morbius, Mobius or all those guys. But, it was going to be very, very self-contained. But the big thing is that it was it was not certain when they did the trailer for Mobius that, uh, oh, is he going to be his own movie? Like self-contained, his own kind of thing, his own character. It's only kind of like a one-shot thing, kind of like um, DC's The Joker film, right? Right. That kind of thing or or connected. And when they kind of in the trailer, little stinger, right? The teaser stinger, if you will, that, oh, there's Michael Keaton that made it very clear, oh, it's a directly connected to the Spider-Man MCU universe. For the Morbius. Because, yes, exactly. At least that much. Yeah. I mean, that, that made that clear connection there. Uh, yeah, exactly. I guess I'm just going to say it. It's probably not going to happen. What I want out of that Morbius movie is Morbius versus Blade. Well, you never know, dude, because Blade is supposed to be coming out in the next few years. Yeah, so he is. who knows? That, I mean, that's, that's already been. A, is he going to pay taxes now? Well, no, it's it's a different actor has already been committed to it. Yeah, um, Mahershala Ali, the guy from the Green Book, he is going to be Blade. Yes, from now on. So he's going to be Blade, and he was um, in that. And also, uh, I don't know. The first time I ever saw him was in that we that show, the forty four hundred. I yes. believe it was. That's the first time I ever saw him. 
He was um, also he was also the main guy, the main. Uh, he wasn't the big bad that you saw at the end, but he was kind of like the main bad guy in the movie in Alita. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's. Uh, I think he's done well in a couple of movies, at least the last few that I've seen him in. So oh, and, and he no, was he's the a bad, good actor. He was, and he was the bad guy in Luke Cage in the first season of Luke Cage too. Yeah, he was Cottonmouth, right? Cottonmouth. Yeah, he was yeah. Cottonmouth. Oh yeah. So he's been in the MCU already. Yes. Well, then it seems like he's got this handled. I'm, I'm down for yeah. it. Yeah. So he'll yeah, be yeah. Blade. Uh, he's already been committed to being Blade, but whether or not he shows up, when he shows up, but you know, the, the always the rumor, the belief is that he's going to show up in the Doctor Strange movie because that can be an, that can be window to any character really at this point can be in that movie because or show up or do a cameo or something, you know, because if now they're fully integrating the multiverse into this, well. Anything goes at this point. And I think we kind of glossed over it, but I just want to repeat that again. Yes, it's been revealed. Jamie Foxx is going to be reprising his role as Electro in the new Spider-Man film coming out in 2021. Spider-Man, which it's rumored, not rumored, but uh, it's rumored to be titled Spider-Man Homesick. Which Homesick, I don't know if yeah. you know, how about that, yeah. but. I don't know if I, I don't know if I like that one, but, but if he's going to be in there, is there going to be like a Spider-Verse kind of thing to it? I don't know if they're just going to be like, uh, you're Electro again, but not the same Electro. Because okay. there's also there's also rumors that Tobey Maguire is going to be in the movie too. Well, I mean, who knows? At this point, I guess I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll show up dancing. Oh gosh, <laughs> with a lot of eyeliner. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyways, but yeah, and but, emo uh, hair and emo hair, emo hair. You got to have the emo hair, dude. Got to have the emo hair. Oh my god. Anyways, uh, anything else good you want to talk about? Um, they did find, uh, they also announced that they found Kamala Khan. Uh, they actually played Kamala Khan in the new Marvel yes, series for Disney Plus. Yes, yes. You know, hot on the heels of the Tatiana Maslany news as being She-Hulk. That's awesome. Um, I can't Kamala wait Khan that. is going to be played by, uh, actually it's a, you know, young actress. I, She's uh, brand new. Yeah. Uh, she is going to be played by, why well, I can't even, why well, can't I find her name now? Oh yes, uh, I can't say. I, I hope I'm saying. It, I'm not saying it wrong. But Iman Vellani uh, is going to be playing the role of Kamala Khan. This is like her first role, like big role. Period. Like I think it's going to be like her first big role. Yeah, yeah. So she's definitely. That's it's pretty awesome. That's uh, pretty awesome. Can't wait for that to happen. It's going to be great. I mean, Disney Plus has got so much, so much good programming with MCU. I mean, I, I'm hopefully it's going to turn out. I mean, I have, I have very high hopes about it. A lot of I the mean, characters. I'm just waiting for I'm, Moon Knight, man. I love Moon Knight so much. I'm oh, waiting for wait. him to get his. What did they say? They say they 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 they, they already sent out a casting oh, request. All, yeah, the cast request is like somebody between forty and fifty years old. To be Moon Knight. To be Moon Knight. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's a bit seasoned. Right. That's what I thought too. Because Moon Knight's kind of like he's kind of like uh, Batman, but like insane. If you want to say that. I mean, he's got a voice in his head. <laughs> but, I mean, it doesn't make him crazy. Well, it's not, it doesn't make him crazy when the voice is actually there. I guess I don't know. Yes, <laughs> sounds but debatable. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But anyways, um, anything else, Goody? Uh, oh wait, uh, something to add to Disney Plus. Uh, I have one other story, but for this, adding to your Disney Plus, uh, they're gonna have a Disney Plus Nick Fury series too. Wait, is he just go around yelling at people and get shit done? Yeah, he go. He screams at them and goes, "Motherfucker, get in here!" No, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> like I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, a, I love Samuel Jackson, but he's 
he's no spring chicken. No. So yeah, but you know he's paid for it. I right? will tell you. I will tell you that my favorite scene in the movie in Avengers, the first Avengers, is when Tony Stark goes up to the console and like covers his eyes. He's like, how do you even do this? How do you? He just covers his eye and he's like, I can't see from this side. How do you even look? You know what right. I mean? Yes. <laughs> and he's like, run the run the midships. Hoist to give it, you know. It's like like it's a sailboat, you know what I mean? It's it's hilarious. It's one of those. That's one of those great scenes. Like the one that goes, like, I saw him. He's like he's playing Galaga, you know. It's just like. <laughs> but anyways, uh, other uh, well, uh, other news. Uh, this in the world of video games, something to mention. Um, very very recently, uh, just within the last week, um, big announcement that Microsoft acquired Bethesda. Um, oh, they acquired yeah. Bethesda, Bethesda Games. If you know anything about video games, they're the people or the big developers. Well, they acquired Zenimax, uh, actually, technically, who is the parent company of Bethesda. Uh, but if you know anything about video games, they are, uh, the developers that are the kind of umbrella for Fallout, uh, for Evil Within, for Doom, for Elder Scrolls, for their new IP coming out in the next couple of years, um, Starfield. Which some are rumored to be kind of like the link between, because there's like, there's like little Easter eggs between Fallout and Elder Scrolls that think that some people think that Starfield might be like that link between both those worlds. And the idea that the world of, this is the theory, fan theory is Elder Scrolls is actually the far, far, far flung, far flung future after Fallout. Basically, Elder Scrolls takes place on Earth is a very, very distant future Earth and that Starfield is somewhere in between. I don't know if I buy that, but anyway. But yeah, uh, to the tune of you guys saw how much money that was. They they purchased that for. I, I I I did I did I did. It was a lot of fucking money. Yeah, yeah. To the tune of seven point five billion dollars, they purchased it. So Ooh, that, that's a lot of that's a lot of money. It's not, it's not the biggest uh, acquisition video game acquisition company that goes to I forget which is one of the a mobile gaming company that was purchased for like eight billion. But seven point five billion is I mean just to give you a perspective. Um, Disney purchased Lucas, LucasArts and Lucasfilm, uh, for 4 billion. Yeah. And then so, yeah. buy like Marvel for like, what, two or three billion or some shit like that? Yeah. Yeah. So it is a big deal that they, they dropped $7.5 billion to purchase it. Now, what that has done is, of course, thrown, and especially the people are like, there's the timing behind all this. What was all that about? Well, um, it's just they made the, they, they sealed the steel just before pre-orders and just before the rush, the new burgeoning right console war because we are now on the cusp of the next generation. The new the new consoles come out, um, you know, about a month and a half from now. Uh, and so to kind of give a little oomph to uh, Microsoft, uh, they're like, well, we also have now all these classic franchises that. Um, well, the fear. Well, not just that, actually. Dishonored is another one I, I forgot to mention. Dishonored. Um, That's I love that game. Yeah. Well, so good. The, the 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 problem people have, or the fear that people have, and this talking back and forth, but this idea that how exclusive are they to make these games? Because now the agreements they have in place already with Sony, all right, and all that, uh, Bethesda. Microsoft says we're going to honor it because that's just how it is. Like it was made before we purchased. We're going to do it. We're going to go ahead with it. But from that point on, um, you know, Microsoft has been very coy. We will ask them, well, you guys have been talking a big game about no console exclusives, even though you're kind of doing that by saying that 
it's not going to be exclusive to console, which just means you're going to have available for PC players, but not necessarily for like Switch or PlayStation players. Right. Well, it's a very kind of interesting little semantic game they're playing there. But if you guys are big talkers about that, what does that mean for these games? And basically, I think it's is it Phil Spencer, I believe his name is. It kind of like, um, well, anyway, basically Microsoft is saying, oh, we're going to look at these games on a case by case basis. But in my opinion, you don't purchase, you don't drop seven and a half billion dollars on a company like this to then have all their games available to your competing console market, to your competing console, you know, company, uh, the same day they're available for your console. You know what I mean? Well, well, so, I mean so much I'm of this development is years in advance, right? Like they're, they actively are developing a given game. I mean, sometimes two or three or four years, you know, in the making, right? So today forward, there's a strong chance that, you know, they'll be exclusive to, you know, Xbox or, you know, PC. But honestly, I don't know. I, I feel like they ought to hold those agreements with whatever they agreed to before and everything moving forward. They can carry out whatever Microsoft's wishes are, you know? Uh, and, and on the other side of the house, I think if you think about it, I don't see a problem if they were not going to go, if they were just not going to go exclusive either way. Because if you think about it, I mean, they're basically double dipping in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Like as far as in a business sense, they're double dipping because they're developing the game. So they're going to get a cut of that. And if they sell it themselves as well, they're going to get that cut as well. So. Well, I mean, like if you think about it, I don't know. I don't. I don't know the finances, the finance specifics behind it. But I mean, in my mind, I think it, it just makes good business sense to not go exclusive because you can get both. You can get the best of both worlds. I feel know? like it's pretty widely believed that the console, the the appliance itself, right? The the actual Xbox, the actual PlayStation, that they don't make a ton of money off of that, if any, right? They make money on the the games being sold, right? yeah. the royalties from that. So by that standard, Microsoft ought to turn around and say, uh, we're going to put on every single console that we can because we want to take money from Sony and take money from Nintendo and everybody else. I mean, that, 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 that would be the smart business sense in my mind. But like I said, I don't know how those contracts are set up. Well, the thing is that like when it comes to – okay, let me, let me just – when it comes to things like – the next Doom after Doom Eternal, the next Doom game. When it comes to Fallout 5, when it comes to Elder Scrolls 6, or even Starfield, those deals have not been made yet. That's the thing. Like, Elder Scrolls 6 is in development, but it's still two or three years away. Starfield, same thing. You know, like these, those, those have not been inked. So there's only really like two deals that are still going to be honored because they were made before. This Deathloop game, which is going to be a PS4, PS5, um, Timed exclusive, as well as uh, I forget the, I forget the second one now. But only barely two games, right? Um, and the thing is that the reason why I would say they can they can make a time exclusive though, which is what a lot of things they do, where if you you'll, yes. you'll get it on your console eventually, but you're gonna have to wait a while with this because Microsoft wants to move their own consoles, right? So. This is what some people are saying is that the fact that they, for a lot of people, the fact that, or people in the kind of industry are looking at it, um, by them saying we have Bethesda and if you want to, uh, play their game sooner on day one 
And here's the thing. Remember, Xbox, Microsoft Xbox has the Game Pass thing where they have a lot of games that are brand new. But if you have Game Pass and you're paying that 10 bucks or 15 bucks a month, whatever it is, you will get those brand new games included and you can play them from day one. You can, they'll drop on day one for you. Yeah. Right? Um, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. I don't whereas, know. Whereas, if you're, no. whereas if you're a PlayStation person, if you want to get that game, you'll be paying full price and maybe waiting a year after it comes out to finally get your hands on. I think you guys might have confused my opinion. I, I don't even know what I want anymore. Well, <laughs> and, 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 and that's the thing. And that's the thing. Like, and that's why everyone's like, oh crap. They, they made this deal. They dropped it just now because, you know, Microsoft, you know, there's, for all, you know, they're saying that, you know, no, no console exclusives, but they want to move consoles. They want to sell their consoles. Right. Um, and we talked about how, you know, they have the two tiers of consoles and everything's got to be kind of hamstrung to work on both consoles. It's got to work on both consoles, all that stuff. Fine. But they, they, they want to move consoles. And so a great way to move consoles is by telling people, Hey, you want to play Elder Scrolls six when it comes out, you're going to have to have an Xbox or have a PC that can run it, have a Windows PC that can run it. And if you don't have either one of those things, then you're going to be waiting a while until you get one of those things, or you wait until it comes on your console, your PlayStation, which is what they're doing at, because they don't care about Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo is kind of playing a different game, kind of game when it comes to all this stuff, right? So they're, it's like, it's, you know, it's Sony v, you know, Microsoft. And again, you don't drop $7.5 billion on them if you're just going to let everyone have a chance to play at the same time. You know what I mean? You want your console to stand out. And they want to have like, you know, they want to, and that's the thing is that this generation, like, PS4 outpaced Xbox so incredibly that they kind of want to get that back. But yeah, you're right, Derek, in that, yes, they sell consoles at a loss because they want games to make up the loss and to make up the money. That's what, that's where they make their money. Well, this is a good way of doing that, I guess, is by, I mean, and, and by adding all, having all these studios and developers in their stable, which they got a, quite a few of them. I mean, one of them that I was worried about that I wish they, they have in exile, which makes great RPGs and they, they acquired Obsidian. Which made new, um, Fallout New Vegas, which everyone talked about how it was like, a, it was like a better Fallout than what Bethesda has made. Mm. And so now, but now they're all on the same umbrella. So people are like, when are we going to have this, uh, an RPG come out with uh, the RPG developing super team, super group that is Bethesda in exile and Obsidian working on the same IP? Like, how crazy would that be? And, you know, Microsoft timed exclusive type deal, you know? Well, hopefully they have uh, people who are far smarter than I am making these choices because I sure as hell don't know what I would do with this situation either. Yeah, I mean, for me anyway, I feel like, um, look, uh, and call me, I guess call me a fanboy in that regard. I'm not going to get an Xbox because I'm not going to rebuild my library and all that. I mean, I'm not going to do that. You're a um, fanboy. Yeah, and, and maybe I am. I'll stick with Sony, man. I'm good with Sony. I'm, I'll, I'll stick with, I'll get the PS5. I'm not going to get it right away. I'm not, I've never been an early adopter, day one kind of guy. Um, but you'll be able to play Forza. No, I won't. That's the, and that, and that, and there we go. That's the thing. The reason is because the stuff that was so exclusive to, to Xbox never interested me. Yeah. We're not big racing guys, dude. I was like, it was great, but, uh, have I ever like played a, like even for five minutes? Nope. Never played it once. Well, like, and I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not a racing guy. So like, that's never going to, and I'm not a first person shooter guy. And they had plenty of those on PlayStation. Like Halo was the only one that was kind of exclusive, you know, to, um, 
to uh to Xbox and that really didn't interest me. Um and even like Gears of War would be kind of cool. That was exclusive to Xbox, but that's a third person shooter and like eh. Halo was good. It was just I don't know. You got the first one that was great. The second one was all right. The third after that I was just like I'm not I'm not into it. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not I look at it in terms of like the genre and like I have plenty of first person shooter options if I want to play them on PlayStation, but um the, like I said, the exclusive stuff on Xbox never interested me. It didn't. Um so enough for me to get it. Actively try to I don't know how to say it. Not not necessarily go out picketing, but should we boycott exclusive games? Should we try to stop that practice in the industry? Um, I mean, okay, I, in, in my opinion, my opinion as far as that's concerned, it's never going to stop. You're always going to have some company that's going to do exclusivity to a certain degree. Like, yeah, because I mean, you, want, you want a reason for people to buy your system. If it's exactly. the same across all the symptoms, why would you get one over the other? Yeah, exactly. So, so exclusivity is always going to agree. Now, as Goody pointed out, a timed exclusive, which is more than likely going to happen with some of these games, that's a different story. Well, hold on. Wait, wait. It stands to reason that Microsoft would make just as much money off of selling a Bethesda game on a PlayStation versus selling it on an Xbox, right? Because they didn't make any money on the console, right? Well, they made less money. They didn't make it. They're not. They're, not, they're, they're taking it at a loss. Yes, you're right. Okay, so if game console companies like Nintendo, Sony, and, and Microsoft just put the games out and owned the game development companies, they could continue to make money on every game sold because it was under their umbrella. Like they own Bethesda, for example. Bethesda keeps putting out games. On every console, Microsoft keeps making money. Potentially, at the point maybe they don't even need to make an Xbox anymore. But here's 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 where you're gonna have to here's where you're gonna run into an issue. Now, at a certain point in time, if you keep doing something like that, though, you're gonna and this is where it has to be kind of a balance with things people, with companies like Bethesda. They have a name and they have a, a quality that's attached to that name. Okay, so. If Microsoft tries to run ramp, ramp it through the gaming industry and tries to force companies like Bethesda or like Goody said, Obsidian or in Exile to create games that would not be to the level of quality that they have in the past, it would be a disaster for them. They would lose revenue because no one would buy the games. And you'd have something like, and I'm not going to say it's they're going to be like Atari because they won't. But in general, what I'm saying is that you're going to have a bad situation, bad PR, because you bought the system. Now you're going to force them to create games quicker than they should, and have them be ready before mm-hmm. they are ready. You follow me, out crap. Exactly. Then, then at that point, then you are Atari, where you're just trolling out piece of shit games quickly to make money. You know, you're not following the aspect of the quality of games that you have put out. Like, you know, like games, people like Blizzard. How many games does Blizzard have? Really, truly, how many, like, lines do they have? They have, like, what, maybe three lines? Activision also, Activision Blizzard. But, like... You know, World of Warcraft and Starcraft. Well, let's and just say, if, if, if Activision Diablo. made Blizzard, if Activision made Blizzard start going nuts and having put out more games, 
people would stop buying it or stop wanting to be a part of it because the quality of the games would go down into the like the doldrums. They'd be crap. So, so you have to find that they have, they're going to have to find that happy balance where we're going to have them be as autonomous as possible with the quality of their games. But yes, we need to make sure they build games for us. But you, you, you know, it's just, you're going to have to weigh the, the options when it comes to that. Like I said, we don't know what their contract is about, what they're going to be working on from here on out, how often they're going to put these games out. No, 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 no. No, we, we do know that information. I mean, they're yeah. owned by Microsoft. They're owned by Microsoft. I like, get they're that. They're a Microsoft no, what, company. What I'm saying is that, like, will Microsoft, like, jump down their throat and have them oh, start putting out games um, to, you know what I mean? Uh, no, unlikely. Un- that's Because Microsoft exactly. is not, exa- Microsoft's not really like that with their studios, and apparently. And that's, and that's, and that's what I'm trying to make sure that, make that, make sure that Derek understands that. With these kinds well, of I mean, games, they're trying to prevent Bungie from happening again, right? Exactly, exactly. Where Bungie got f- kind of shoehorned into this whole thing with Halo, where they have to constantly be putting out Halo games. Well, and Destiny is is the big and one, De- and Destiny now, Destiny now, they people, you know, you know, Microsoft or other who Microsoft or PS Five, whoever, they wanted to get another Destiny game, and and Bungie was like, no, fuck that, we're gonna, we're done with Destiny. Destiny 2 is the last Destiny game. We're just going to be putting out DLCs. That's all we're going to be doing. Yeah, it's going to be the whole game to service thing. And so. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I so, I mean. Um, before Mr. Fact Check shows up, uh, Disney bought Marvel for $4 billion, just like Lucas. But that still makes a pretty big point. Bethesda was a giant purchase. For a video game company, that's a, that's a huge well, purchase. Well, I mean, but also keep in mind. For a video game company, it owns a lot of different studios beneath it, right? But like I said, Zenimax is the is the big one, and it's like Zenimax, and then under Zenimax is Bethesda, and then under Bethesda is like Arcane. Uh, it's like you know other other groups. Uh, ID Software is another one, right? The guys that made Doom, uh, Wolfenstein. I forgot Wolfenstein too is another one of the franchises. Yeah, that, that is, that is, that is, that's it. Wolfenstein that's it, yeah. too. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, they uh. The, but keep in mind, like, it's also like video game company, and this has been true for a few years now. Video games make a crap ton of money. And I don't mean just mobile games, but like actual full scale games make a crap ton more money than Hollywood has. And for a few years now, they've been making a lot more money than Hollywood. Uh, so these companies are getting bigger and bigger, uh, than like some of these like movie studios in some ways. So it depends on, I mean, the size obviously the studio, but for sure. I mean, I think like, wasn't it like the video game industry last year made, I don't know, I don't know how many millions of dollars, like almost billions, half a billion, like, actually billions of dollars. Billions. Yeah. Right. They made like two, three billion dollars last year, just the video game industry alone or more so than that. I mean, I don't know. It was just, it was an insane number. You know what I mean? So I get it, man. I get it. I totally understand. All right. Cool. Well, I just one more thing. Um, let me see. Oh, wait, hold on. Do you hear that? <laughs> eggplant emoji. Eggplant, eggplant, eggplant. Like a solid Droplets. three minutes. Droplets. Eggplant. Get to a pause point. All right, carry eggplant. on. Uh, just so you know, fact check. The video game industry, uh, as of October 2019, uh, generated over $150, $150 billion. Oh my God. Eggplant emoji. That's a lot of money. If you think about just the seven billion dollars they spent just for the 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 gaming company, 
That's a lot of money. They're they're really investing hard in what the future is going to be for them. But I mean, I don't think it's a bad investment. No, all. no, no, no. It's definitely not a bad investment. Um, it's just one of those. Well, and I'll say, it, as a Sony fan, as a PlayStation guy, um, you know, it's it's one of those where they they this is a great plan. This is how they are going. This is how Microsoft is going to move their consoles by just making these things timed exclusives. Um, are they going to do that? I would say again, yes. I think they're going to make them timed exclusives. They're not, they're not going to be full exclusives. I doubt that's going to happen. It's not going to be like Uncharted or Last of Us, which are like solid, full-on exclusives. Um, but or actually, like you know, Uncharted was. But yeah, they're going to be time exclusives because they want you know they want people to to right now. And, and, but here's the other thing: some people are saying though is that like right. But if you're making your choice for, and this is for, for, if you're making a choice between the new PlayStation or the new Xbox and Xbox and Microsoft goes, yeah, but we just got Bethesda. You're like, yeah, but you're wanting me to pay in now for something that will not pay off for the next three or four years. You know what I mean? Like if Microsoft goes, does, does not do what, what, you know, if Microsoft chooses not to force Bethesda to get their games done faster, right? Then that's what you're doing. It's more like you're making an investment in a company, but and that's one of the things that people have been talking about with the kind of next gen reveals going on right now, or have been going on for the last few couple months. That people have not, what is it? Like unless you're, except for the hardcore kind of game, you know, like hardcore fanboy type type people, but nothing, like there's nothing really to blow your skirt up in this. Like nothing really, and and that people are saying that for both companies, PlayStation, both Sony and Microsoft. But some are saying more so for Microsoft that nothing seems particularly spectacular. Um, I mean, that, that, that they're coming out with at launch, you know, yeah. like a lot of what you'd be, you're, you're buying, if you're buying an Xbox, a lot of what you're doing is you're buying the Xbox for what's going to happen in the next year, at least next year or two years for it to really come to fruition, which some would argue tends to be happening. It tends to happen anyway. Every console generation, You've got to wait about a year or so for you really to get those games that start to come out that really, you know, demonstrate what it is because they've gotten rid of the cross-gen games. And so, like, you really demonstrate what the system is doing. It takes a while. You know, you are making an investment, but some are saying that's going to be, it's that seemingly more so true now than it has been in the past. Um, I think, uh, I thought something and I lost my train of thought. So bye bye train. <laughs> choo choo choo. All right. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> not All right. this isn't jumping the gun, but uh, Matrix 4 has been greenlit for a while. We're just kind of waiting for them to solidify all the details. Um, and they've had Keanu Reeves and uh, Carrie Ann Moss confirmed to play their, you know, reprise their characters as Neo and Trinity. And we'll get into this in a little bit. But did you guys see that um, Daniel Bernhardt Signed on. He's he was the agent that uh, Morpheus fought in. Gosh, was it Matrix Reloaded? Yeah, Matrix Reloaded. Oh yeah, he wasn't. It wasn't he the guy in. Um, he was also in um, Altered Carbon. He yes. played the he played the 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 guy who was like the the the, the German actor who played. He was kind of like his uh his uh his kind of like his uh, mentor yep. before he yep. before yep. he became yep. a yep. rebel. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy's awesome. That guy's awesome. I see. I see him in a lot of stuff. But yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's. It's funny how. Um, I mean, not not to go off on a tangent here, like we do. Um, he he's been in a lot of movies. He's been in not like necessarily uh, 
a lot of leading roles, but, you know, notable roles. And then there's a handful of them where it's like, even recent movies where he's like henchman number two, you know, or, or and I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it seems like maybe they're not giving him enough credit. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, he's, he's in a lot of stuff. I mean, he was, he was even in John Wick. I mean, you see him in a lot of films. You always say, Oh, wow. It's that guy. Oh, wow. It's that guy. I think he was in a car commercial recently. Also, I want to say, so yeah, well, like I mean, just some I mean, random I mean, guy. It, a lead character in John Wick, and then the immediate listing below that, he was Hitman number one, uncredited. Well, here's the thing. Also, you have to understand, with a lot of these guys, especially with this guy who's probably known more as, as, as an action kind of actor, I mean, he's working. So in their minds, they're making money. And how much how much money do you think they're making for these movies? Because if they have speaking roles, they have a trailer, they're going to get like probably like twenty twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 just for that. You know what I mean? Think? You know, and yeah, I, I, yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, I mean, they're probably going to get like that much money for two days worth of work, and then they just keep grinding more business and more work. It's like people who do voice acting. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, he's just trying to stay busy. He's just trying to stay busy. He's, he's doing like, what you do as what you're supposed to do as an actor. You're going out, and you're doing work, you're getting the job, and you're, getting your face out there. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a working, he's a working actor. Man. He's a working actor. He's a exactly. working actor. That's what he is. And so, you know, I honestly, I'm happy if he if he has that many credits. I don't know how many credits he has in IMDb, but if he if he, if he's doing what you're talking about, he probably has quite a few credits. And so that's something that you know appeals to a lot of people because he's got a recognizable face. He he can handle action scenes. So he'll work. He'll get work. You know what I mean? He's probably yeah. a stunt double at some 55 point. 55 credits since 96. And I can tell you that that guy, I remember seeing him in like sometimes like random HBO like action movies as the main character and like the guy leading the the movie. And he has not aged very much at all. Like he's, no, he, he, has he, not. he seems a very timeless individual. So um, I applaud him. And, and who's to say he has? And because he speaks German, who's to say he hasn't worked uh, in Germany quite I a think bit? He's, I think he's Switzerland. He's, he's think Swiss. He's, it's well, Swiss or Swedish? I mean, they still speak he's German, Swiss. don't they? He's Swiss. He's Swiss. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. Then well, I mean, he probably he, pro- All right. he probably he probably speaks like uh, a German Swiss, or he speaks French, or whatever this you know whatever he speaks, whatever language he knows. Like all the prerequisites of bad guy number two speak German yeah. or something. I mean, that's, or or or, or Nazi or Nazi interrogator, which means he beats up prisoners. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? That's that used to be all it took to be a henchman. Anyway, um, that, I don't know. That was one news thing I saw. Goody, all right. So I, I, I got something else for you guys. And of course, since Goody does, Goody talks about Marvel. I, I'm actually, well, I'm not, just to answer your question, Eric, before we were really interrupted by my brother. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm done. I'm set. I'm set. Good. I'm glad. Goody. And you know what, Goody? I love you, Goody. Oh God, move on. What is it? <laughs> All right. So, uh, since Goody talked about Marvel, of course, I need to bring up DCEU. Um, and it was, it was announced this week that Ugh, the um, DC, ew. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> and anyways, it was announced this week that Christian Bale is coming back. What? Batman. Batman? No. Yes. For oh. Flashpoint. Look, we just got Robert Pattinson. He hadn't even screwed up yet. What are we supposed to no, do with this? No, no, listen, listen. He's coming back. Supposedly, he's coming back for Flashpoint to be with Michael Keaton and to be with Batfleck and, and, and Ezra Miller. Now, he says he's coming back if they get, if he gets the okay from Christopher Nolan to play it. So there's, they're still working that part out, but he says he's more than happy to come back and be Bruce Wayne. 
in the Flashpoint movie. Okay, this is like, and I, you know what? You, who you have to, who everyone has to thank for all this. You have to thank Arrow because yes, the Arrowverse, the Arrowverse. You have to thank the Arrowverse, the CW's TV DC Arrowverse because. That opened the door up with the whole multiverse thing. And then yes. with that crisis on Infinite Earth, where they had all these different um, DC entertainment universes just kind of all showing up as quick little cameo things, including Ezra Miller himself. Yes. All right. Kind of which bring all these universes together. Which that scene is going to be in the Flashpoint movie, FYI. So like that, this Flashpoint movie is what's going to be like their kind of Doctor Strange multiverse of badness, where it will allow them to have any character they if they can get their the actor to do it anyone from any previous dc property movie thing mm-hmm. to show up and you know what's funny is that scene that was in crescent infinite earths it was directed by muschietti like the guy who's directing the flashpoint movie he directed that scene that's why if you look at the scene when you watch the scene in the show the film was different like it used like actual movie it was film. Like movie like, film yeah exactly that was so good. You know what I mean? That was great. <laughs> like all of a sudden it was like letterbox format. I'm like, what the hell just happened to the screen? You know what I mean? But he directed that scene and that scene's actually the rumor is that scene is going to be in the movie. Like that scene's going to be in the movie. Like like what's his name? The guy from the TV show Flash. He's going to be he's going to have Gustin. a credit. Grant Gustin. He's going to have, you know, an actual credit in the motion picture because he's going to be in the movie possibly. So, so there's that, but yeah, but they're, they're, yeah, that's they the one thing like Val Kilmer, are they going to have George Clooney? Or are they just going to go and get everybody? Probably not. They're probably going to deal with the best Batmans, which are Michael Keaton and, you know, and Christian Bale. Bale. And Christian Bale. I was going to say Ben Affleck, but I, I think he's one of the best Batmans. I think, well, I he, think he's, he's in there, isn't he? Like he's, yes, he is. He's, he is in there. Isn't it? But that leads me, but that leads me to the next information, which was that they kind of revealed, uh, recently the new Justice League 2 lineup. Okay. So the Justice League 2 lineup that people are talking about that they've heard rumors of, because what Flashpoint is going to do is it's going to reset the DCEU. Okay. So you're going to have, you know, all these movies come out. You know, you're going to have Aquaman 2 come out. You're going to have Wonder Woman 84 come out. And then you're going to have Shazam 2 come out, I think. Um, and then you're going to have Flashpoint. Or Shazam 2 is going to come out after Flashpoint. Who knows? But either way, Flashpoint is going to be a reset button for the DCEU. And okay, and that's that, that Flashpoint movie is going to kind of set the stage for every DCEU movie after that. Kind of like what Crisis of Infinite Earths was kind of like a, a, a reset button for the DC comic book universe. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. All the, all the, we know, as we all know, I mean, if you don't know about this in comic books, um, the listeners, if you don't know about this in comic books, comic books always have every, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's less than, but usually every five to 10 years, they have a massive event. Where it's kind of like it's supposed to be like a reset button for the comic book universe. I think the term lately, or is lately a they purge. a what a what purge? Yeah, but they call it yeah. In a lot event. of ways, it could be yeah. It's it, in other ways, it is it is a purge, but they always call it an event, a comic book event. And recently, it's been like every three years they have an event. Like Marvel has an event every three years, basically. But but usually, it used, it used to be only be every five ten years you have an event to kind of like. I guess you could say trim the fat, basically. Well, it's trim the fat, but also like, yeah, it's trim the fat. It's to uh, clean, clean up. The what? Cleanse the palate. 
Yeah, well, yeah, cl- clean sort up, con- of, yeah. Continuities that were like things were getting confused. Uh, oh, we have these old characters. How do we that that you know they're kind of like legacy characters when we purchased a comic book company. How do we incorporate them into our comic books now? For like, like, like example, example would be like in the first Civil War, in the first Marvel Civil War, uh, the first death was um, uh, Hercules, which is a kind of a no name, C level, almost D level character in Marvel, but he was the first casualty of the Marvel Civil War, and the next casualty was Bruce Banner. You know what I mean? He was the next casualty, but but he, he but Hercules set up that. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of like they, they they use it to just kind of like trim the fat, get rid of the the characters they don't need anymore, and then maybe they'll bring them back later on as something. Who knows? But yeah, and and what? Oh, well, are you done? Because I, I have some questions or concerns that have occurred. Well, to I me. mean, let, let me let me go through let me go through what they yeah, think the ahead. list go. is going to be. So the rumor is that well, after the Flash movie, they're going to probably have either the Justice League two or it'll be sometime near. After the Justice, uh, the Flash movie. And so the lineup's gonna be, of course, Ezra Miller. And we all know that Henry Cavill signed on again for more Superman movies. Um, or in the process of signing on. And of course, there's Wonder Woman, there's Aquaman. Uh, we know that with, um, with the, the, the Snyder Cut, we're gonna get the, the Green Lantern course, or Green Lantern's probably gonna be there. He's not cast yet, but you know, there's rumors that it could be, um, Denzel Washington's son. He might be cast as, uh, as, um, John Stewart. That's John Stewart, the, the 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 Green Lantern. Um, so they might go that route. Uh, and then of course Amber Heard has a contract where I know they tried to get rid of her because of all the shit that was going on with her and Johnny Depp. But you know they can't get rid of her because she has a contract with them. Um, and then of course there's Shazam. Um, but they're also trying to get uh, uh, Blue Beetle in there, and of course uh, Cyborg. Um, they're trying to get Blue Beetle in there, Cyborg. But the one thing that they're talking about that he's not there is. Is um Batman. Batman they say is not gonna be well the Ben Affleck Batman is not gonna be. So they're kind of wondering if he comes in for Flash for Flashpoint, maybe he dies, and then supposedly Robert Pattinson's Batman comes in. You, Who knows? You, I don't okay. know how I feel about it. I don't know okay. how I feel about it either. Right. We'll see how it works out. Yeah. But can but it, that's basically it. That's basically it. Can I can I go off lore guy nerd crawl questions now? Oh, well, but also, but the one thing is you have to understand with this whole thing with, uh, because the Justice League producing team is Zack Snyder and his wife. So Zack Snyder still has a hand in DCEU. And depending on how everything goes with the Snyder cut, he's probably going to be around forever at that point. Yeah. Like he's not backing off and not going to be, it's like basically he's, he's, he's good. He's in there. Like he's settled. At this point, like now it's going to be back in his, he's going to have the reins over, over the DCU again. Exactly. It's going to happen. So, yeah, I think so. so look for a possible going back to a darker DCEU. I don't know. They mentioned that it's probably going to stay a little bit more lev, uh, because the, the, the flash is more levity. It's going to be, so flash maybe it depends on the character. Fun. I think it's going to be more character based. I think that Justice League, um, Justice League 2 is probably going to be a little bit more levity. Because you're going to have characters in that movie who actually can handle a lighter tone. You, know, you have Shazam, you have Flash, Aquaman is, Aquaman can be super fucking funny. I mean, I thought it was funny. You know, you know, Jason Momoa is hilarious. I mean, I mean, you're going to have characters, Blue Beetle's a teenager, you know, Cyborg's a teenager. So they're all going to be, you're going to have some semblance of a lighter tone 
it's not going to be as dark as, you know, Batman vs. Superman. Or the Snyder or, Cut. Or the Snyder Cut, which we'll see how dark that one is, to be honest with you. Well, okay, so questions. My my, my thing is are this. Um, if it's going to be like a reset, the Flashpoint, um, then why? I mean, I'm going to watch Wonder Woman 84, and I'm going to watch the Aqua movie because I love watching these kinds of movies. But it's almost like, what's the point of remembering what happens in those things if it's a reboot? Now, Wonder Woman 84, maybe not because maybe her, her, her movie will predate the Flashpoint's point of change or whatever. You know what I mean? Right? I, I, like, I, I like, get like, what like, you're saying. Like, her, she takes place before that. Like, you know, Flashpoint is not, Flash, I'm assuming, is not going back to the 80s or like World War One to, to make the change that he has to make to, to, to change, right? So those events will stay the same up to that point. But like the Aquaman movie, you sort of like you watch that movie, you care about what's happening, but it's almost like don't worry about continuity or remembering all these things because after the Flashpoint movie, all bets are off, which is, I guess, a good way of them trying to like, all right, we'll fix what we did. The DCEU, because I remember for a, for a while there, there was this discuss, there was this talk that the DCEU was dead and that Warner Bros. was like, no, forget it. We're not, we can't compete with Marvel. We're just going to make one shot movies or own little self-contained episodes a la the Joker, right? Um, and that's what they're going to be doing across the board. Now it sounds like, no, they're going to give us another shot, right? Um, but the flashpoint is going to be like a, like a reset of it up to a certain point. You see what I'm saying? And so it's like, why am I going to watch the movies that take place before Flashpoint on a continuity level if they may not even matter? Well, here's the thing. I think yeah, that's that standard. You could say the same thing about the Spider-Man movies from Sony. True. Well, but it's a different, but it's an established, it's a different established universe now. You know what I mean? As opposed I mean, to the previous ones. I feel like the, with different the- actors, different everything. You know what I mean? Whereas this is going to be the same actors, same characters. And they've used a mechanic in their plot to say, okay, we're changing things up again now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I mean, and Robert Pattinson's Batman, Bruce Wayne is a much younger one. Although it doesn't matter if he's from a quote unquote different universe, that's a universe in which Bruce Wayne was born later and, you know, everyone's born later. But this Robert Pattinson, Bruce Wayne is like Batman year two. You know what I mean? Like he's a very young, he's not the old grizzled, Batman who watched Robin be killed by Joker, you know? Right. That we got in this one. I mean, like I said, that, that, that's, that may not be even be the case in regards to Justice League 2. They're just saying that as of right now, the rumors are saying that Batman's not in Justice League 2. So they're saying that there's a possibility that he show up or it could be a completely different Batman. I mean, it could be Michael Keaton showing up in Justice League 2 as Batman. Well, he's in Justice, well, that's true. Or it could be, it could be Ben Affleck doing it. I don't know, whatever. All right. Oh, who knows? Who knows? They haven't even done. I mean, we haven't even gotten to that point yet. But as of right now, the, that's the rumor of the, what the lineup is looking. Well, like. and my other thing is that like the guy that played the actor plays um, Cyborg. I don't remember his name, but with everything Ray, he Ray has, Fisher, Ray Fisher, Ray Fisher, Ray Fisher, with everything he has said, is it what? It, it, and I guess it's one of the you have to keep it is, is like a distinction has to be made between everything you said was against Joss Whedon. But then again, didn't he say some stuff about Jeff Johns also? Like that's the thing, like the leadership. For him to be coming back, it's like wow. All right, it was insane. There's a lot of information that's come out because of that. Now, supposedly, a lot of the reasons why they feel like he feel like it was the 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 type of culture on the set was because they knew AT and T was buying Warner Brothers. They knew their time was running short, 
And so inherent to their contracts, they have Who's they? Who's they, by the way? Who you're talking about? Who they Jeff Johns, okay, Joss Whedon, the production company, producing people who handled uh Justice League after Zack Snyder left. Everybody who kind of handled the Justice League after that point, they wanted to do reshoots and stuff because they wanted to get the thing done and not deal with Zack Snyder, unfortunately, and not deal with his version because they thought that they could make a better movie, which I don't I guess we'll see if that's the case or not. But on top of all that, because of their contracts and because Warner Brothers was about to be bought by AT&T at that point, in their contracts, they had to finish the movie by a certain time. And, and at that point, they would receive bonuses. So they, they, uh, man. So they cut corners and kind of create a toxic workspace, supposedly. I'm not saying this is the case. I don't know. I don't work in that industry. I mean, this is a podcast of movies for just fun. We read these articles from people who are in the industry and you know okay. we all talk about this shit we we're we just bringing up stuff that we've read on the internet right exactly we we're just we're we're literally being you know what what are we we're like we're like a we're like a, a poor man's TMZ right now <laughs> you know we're basically playing telephone with these articles but supposedly according to what people have said on the internet and different articles is that they had a lot of bonuses Tied up in this motion picture and in completing this motion picture by a certain point in time. So if they didn't complete this motion picture by a certain point in time, they were going to lose bonuses that they wanted desperately. So for that reason, and a lot of reasons what happened with a lot of companies and a lot of people, they start creating toxic workspaces to get to that point because they want to finish because they want the money. And they knew that at a certain point in time, they were going to be let go. I mean, right after, not too much long after the, 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 uh, the AT&T merger of Warner Brothers happened, Jeff Johns was out. He was gone. He wasn't in charge of the DCEU anymore. So he was out, you know? And so, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes with Dallas that we've heard. I mean, they're investigating and Ray Fisher, and they've told Ray Fisher that, yeah, he's still cyborg. You know, they told him he's not, they can't think of him, anyone else playing Cyborg but him. But, I mean, that can change always in Hollywood. But for right now, it is All they got to do is come up with another universe, right? Exactly. So, really, we're just going to have to wait and see where it goes from there. But, but yeah, I mean, there was, there was a lot of stuff. And I, and I actually heard that part of it from, uh, the Kevin Smith podcast, uh, Fat Man Beyond. His podcast, um, with, yeah, uh, he's Mark, got a few podcasts. Like, he's got a few, but I'm not saying, fat, I'm saying Fat Man Beyond with his co-host, uh, Mark Bernardin, which both of those guys, especially Mark Bernardin, Mark Bernardin actually works in the industry and he's actually, he worked, he, he was a man, managing, he was the, uh, the film editor for, um, the LA Times. You know what I mean? Like he was in the movie industry for a long time and he actually writes screenplays. He's like the lead, he's like the head writer for Castle Rock. On Hulu, I mean, he's one of he's 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 a comic. He writes comic books, and he said, "Yeah, there was bonuses." And Kevin Smith agreed. Yeah, th- there were bonuses that we had heard of that if they didn't finish in time, they would lose the bonuses. So that's why they kind of sped up the the reshoot process to make that money. Jeez, 
I don't know what I would it, do in that scenario. I mean, if you're sitting on set and you know that everybody's rushing just so that one guy or two guys can get a bonus. But, but here's the thing. The thing is, is that, I mean, the motion, I mean, wasn't Goody, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Zack Snyder say that the movie was done, basically? Uh, for the most part, yeah, he did say that. And that it was like, it was it like was basically done. I mean, all they had to do was put in the, uh, the special effects, the visual effects, like, all that was left was visual effects stuff and maybe a few reshoots here and there. But essentially the movie was in the can. They just had to do the special effects when he left because of, you know, unfortunately his family tragedy. But, but then they come back and they literally, and then after that point, there was only like, he said like maybe 15% of his motion picture in the, in the theatrical cut. Like they basically redid the whole movie. Yeah. Pretty much under, yeah, Joss Whedon's direction, they basically made a brand new film. It seems like a lot to overcome, right? Rewriting, re-releasing, re-editing an entire movie under a time constraint for the sake of a bonus. But I mean, it all makes, I mean, it doesn't sound implausible, right? I mean, money talks, man. Money talks. If you, I mean, honestly, if you look at the quality of the movie that we got, that we got, I'm not surprised. Mm, Eh, It wasn't that bad. It wasn't. I'm, oh, I'm not, not saying bad. it was horrible. It wasn't bad. I, it. I enjoyed it. it I, I enjoyed it too because I like Joss Whedon's humor. It's funny. It's quippy. He's yeah, always but a quippy writer. I, I will tell you this: that like this is somewhat. This uh, my my view of the movie now is somewhat tainted with all the stuff I've heard about what they did. Yeah. And all, it, it, somewhat, you know, that's kind of like in the background now for me. So yeah. So oh, I mean, it's just we'll see. We're, we'll see where it goes, man. But. Anyway, well, but that's it, man. That's all the news that's fit to print for me, dude. You guys got anything else? Nope. I'm all set. All right. Well, if that's the case, gentlemen, we are going to go into our refill period. So everybody listening, um, if you need to go take a piss, I mean, you're lucky. You can pause. We can't. So we have to go take a piss. All right. As we actually say, shake the dew off the lily. In aristocratic fashion. Roll those R's, baby. Roll the R's. All right, so we're going to go refill, was, guys. Goody? There was like no no R's in that. So. <laughs> uh, no, I said aristocratic fashion. Oh, okay. All right. That was my R rolling, not yours. Oh, God. All right. Me, me. Whatever, I'm rolling man. that R, bitch. <laughs> we're going to refill. I'm thirsty. I got to take a piss. You guys, we'll see you guys in a bit. Everybody, we are back from our refill portion of the episode. Did everybody, you know, kind of unload and just kind of and then reload? I guess because like and I re- just refilled my cup exactly as well. I have also refilled my my uh, my pint glass with uh, another Imperial Milk Stout. Droplets, droplets. Episode is way over the top. <laughs> well, and, I'm gonna. And, 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 I'm, I'm drinking this rum and coke a little fast already, so I may actually have to be like step away for a moment and get some of that bourbon. Honestly, what I've been doing also is I have like as, as this is my second imperial milk stout, 
with a, I refilled my turvis of Bacardi and Coke, and I also have a a bottle of water that I'm using to hydrate myself. Are you double so, fisting? Is that what you're doing? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I have a question here. Yes, I am. I know that it's sacrilege for people to like drink beer over ice, right? I oh God! But when you pour a beer into a glass, that's that's acceptable, right? You're just pouring a beer into a glass, right? Uh, yeah. Is it also against the rules to pour like maybe two beers into a big Yeti? No. It de- depends on how cold they are because it de- you want to make sure they stay cold throughout the 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 the, the rest of your, your drink. Well, yeah, but I mean, if it's in a bottle, if it's in a glass, if it's in a Yeti, you're always worried about the temperature because there's nothing else cooling, right? It's true. This is true. Okay, so it's it's okay for me to pour two beers into one Yeti. It's okay to pour your beer into whatever you want, my friend. You know what? Yes. It's, it's a free country, America. It's a free country. Yeah, yeah it's over ice. America. But don't pour it on ice or you're going to be arrested. You should <laughs> yes. be arrested. Yes. In, 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 in certain counties in Milwaukee, they, they, they actually, you know, Certain counties in Milwaukee. There's probably only one county that Milwaukee is in. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. All right. I just wanted to ask. All right. So, so FYI, so I am – Edit that uh, out. Edit that out. No. Last, I'll, I'll cut it in post. We'll do Anyways. it live. We'll do it in post. All right. So I am drinking now. Uh, Goody's got the Bugatti and Coke, and you are drinking more Corona Premier, are you? I am. Derek? I am. Good. That's worth it. That's worth it. It's a one. Like I said, we said last time, it's quantity, not quality. I gotta, um, I gotta watch. Uh, I gotta watch my figure, man. I'm trying to. You do your girlish uh, figure. Curves. What? what? And, uh, whatever. <laughs> what? What shape are you in? Round? Is that what you're going for? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is that? That's, Don't they call that apple shape? Is yes. Yes. <laughs> not so much pear shaped. This. This. Well, in reality, in reality, this. Uh, this podcast has gone mushroom shaped. So yeah. Yeah, we're I all we're all kinds of back ass words. <laughs> All right, so um, I am drinking actually um, because the other one was just one cu- one can. Um, I'm drinking another one can from the same brewing company, Pipeworks. I'm drinking S'more Money, S'more Problems. Um, it's an imperial stout that's been brewed with oh shit, graham crackers, cinnamon, cacao nibs, lactose, vanilla, and natural marshmallow flavor. How is natural marshmallow a flavor? I don't yeah. understand. I mean, isn't marshmallow just like a marshmallow? Fancy sugar. Yes, exactly. So I'm gonna taste it now. See what kind of notes I receive. So hold on a second. Insert, uh, you know, awkward music and eggplant emoji comments, and then <laughs> bring back. Actually, up. dude, dude, I just it smells like graham crackers. Actually, like the pint, and I can taste the marshmallow. What the fuck was that? Oh, God. Is it time to move on? Yeah, it is. (laughs) But anyways, uh, so we are moving on from my beer, which is actually really fucking good. Um, Okay, I'm going to lose my mind halfway through this call, um, through this podcast. Anyways, so as we said before in the beginning of the show, we are going to be discussing the great, okay, how many things can I say? 90s, sci-fi, cyberpunk. Kung Fu Wirework, Gun, uh, Battle Gun Ballet, uh, Battle Gun Ballet. It's the Matrix, and, folks. It's the Matrix. I'm taking over. I'm taking it's over. The, okay. It's the Matrix. I'm taking over. And, okay. And, and the motion picture, we all know. Okay. So it was, 
It was it, it was released in, on March thirty first of nineteen ninety nine, directed by the Wachowskis. Um, this was their second directing motion picture. Um, their first one was the. Oh shit! What is that? Where is this? Who's from? Why? Who's playing fat bottom girls? I don't understand. Okay, this this show has really got the term apple shaped bottom girls. (laughs) Oh gosh. (sighs) Okay. Oh my god. Anyways, no one fault you for the selection, right? Oh god, that's that's my favorite song from them. Actually, my favorite song from Queen. Uh, But anyways, bottom girls. Apple shaped bottom girls. I like pear shaped bottom girls, but either way. Um, so anyways, so the movie was came out in nineteen ninety-nine. I was directed directed by the Wachowskis. I was a senior in high school. You were a senior in high school. That was I a was transformative a, year for myself. I was a I was a sophomore year. at the University of Miami. I had just started going out with Michelle for about a year at that point. I think I'd not a year. We had been going out maybe six, seven months at that point. Um and so um, so I yeah, was so, on my senior trip when that movie came out. I believe. Really? I went to go. I, uh, what about you, Derek? What were you doing? Oh, wait, you were nine years old. I was ten. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> oh yeah, double digits. Yeah, double, yeah, dude. Totally. What? How old were you when you watched this movie? Uh, I mean, I was probably about ten. I, I remember seeing it pretty early on. It was probably right about. I might have even seen this in theaters. Honestly, 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 this, the way this movie is an R-rated movie, I don't understand why it's R-rated. When nowadays the kind of shit you see in this movie makes it PG thirteen. But hey, that's just me. Honestly, well, that's for real, how it goes right. Right. I mean, but then of course you have the eighties PG thirteen, which would be R nowadays. I mean, it's, it's R-rated for the stuff they cut out. Is that what it is? No, I don't know. I'm just making. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, in any case, so the movie, a movie is, in, uh, I mean, we can all understand the movie is is fantastic. It's a great motion should we do picture. A, should we do a synopsis? I think we can do a synopsis. I no, will wait, do wait, a synopsis. I'm good. You want to do it? I, I'll do it because I'm just going to read the IMD synopsis, and it's. I was about no, to no, no, say no. shit. No, 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 no. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my synopsis because I chose the film and I and I love it and I love the genre. And so, I want you to do. I want you to do your synopsis, and I'm going to do the two line synopsis from Matrix. <laughs> oh, look, I'm good at I'm good at synopsis. Synopsizing. So here we go. Go ahead, do it. All right. So this movie comes out in 1999. Uh, I believe the movie of the, the the year takes place in is 1999. Uh, Keanu Reeves, the main character, the main character of the entire trilogy, he plays a guy named Thomas Anderson, Mister Anderson. And uh, basically, he's a regular kind of tech guy, uh, kind of like a almost like what you'd see in Salaryman type thing, where he just one cubicle in what's must be a, t- a tech or software firm, a coder or something. You don't really get into it too much, but basically, he is just a faceless person in like the corporate tech industry type thing. Um, but at night, at night, you know, uh, he's like a hacker ish, or he's get he had someone to do hacker subculture. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> At night when the rave music comes out. Oh, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. But, but that, that's the beauty of it, though. You look at him, and he's not like the hackers in the movie Hackers, who are all dressed very kind of like tech, techy kind of – basically like, like – They're all trendy. Like they look, well, trendy for them. Yeah, they don't look like the people from the Cyberpunk game 2077. They don't look like that. He's a regular guy, regular T-shirt, jeans kind of looking guy, hacker, and – you get like snippets of things in his, in, in his wall and the background and stuff about like this, this, you know, quote unquote terrorist, uh, at the time called, uh, Morpheus, right? 
and um they you know this, this terrorist motivators and he's basically you, you get a sense that you know he's something's gonna happen he's and then he gets like this signal or this message from another hacker uh named uh trinity now of course he has a hacker name right because all good hackers do whether it be crash override or acid burn or phantom freak or serial with a c killer or, or grandmaster b as some people would call themselves maybe uh his was just simply neo which is perfect because there's a lot of things you could do with that which the, the matrix films in general but this one also are really really go over the top with that kind of stuff um which we can probably get into Gets a signal from Trinity and basically gets told to follow the white rabbit. He goes to a hacker kind of tech kind of black leather sort of cyber goth club with like, which is a place where in my experience, I love the music, but I would never fit in and probably get my ass kicked really quickly there. Oh yeah. Uh, Me too. Like I love the music, but I'm like the guy wearing that stuff. I'm like wearing like t-shirt and jeans and not looking like that scary kind of people. But then he sees this woman with a white rabbit tattoo, follows her, and then basically it's this whole thing about him learning the truth, right? And then the truth is that it's not 1999, but it's actually, you know, Morpheus, as he describes later on, um, 2199. Like 2199, basically 200 years later. uh, and, And he makes a point of saying, we think. We're not totally even sure what year it is. You know, they just yeah, know exactly. after a certain point, but they don't, they don't know exactly what year it is. Um, but he discovers that that's what it is. And that basically everything you know around yourself, everything you know, everything you see is simply a construct of the machines, the machines, humans and machines at some point, which they'll talk about, but they kind of say for the purpose of the movie at some point went into a conflict with each other, a war with each other. The machines won and humans have been enslaved and to keep people docile. Um, basically machines use humans as batteries. You are born, you live and you die. And your actual real life existence, quote unquote, is your IRL existence is you are floating in a pod of liquid with a tube in your mouth. And I guess a tube in your bum. And you basically, it feeds you food, you poop it out. Uh, and when you die, you get processed by the machines. And there's like, all these hundred like, farms of like millions and millions of people that when you die, you get processed the machine to then power the machines, but also feed the, I guess the rest of humans It's part of a whole big recycling thing. Um, very soil and green, but that there are a group of human rebels who are trying to defeat the machines and awaken as many people as they can from the matrix, which is basically this, this world, this simulation that the machines have built to keep humans in line. And even says it at first, um, which is kind of funny, a kind of interesting sort of commentary on human nature that the Wachowski has put in here. At first, he tried to make a utopia, but humans never bought it. It's almost like basically making the point that we need conflict. We need bad things happening. And if things are too perfect, we think something's wrong and it doesn't work. Basically like that kind of thing. We don't want pleasant fill. We want, you know, crap in our lives. Yeah. So... Exactly. So, and even when they, when you're born and you're raised, it's sort of like a pace that makes it look like humans just don't, even humans raising that kind of perfect society, we just don't buy it for whatever reason. So they basically made the simulation. They finally figured out the simulation will be at the time. So the movie in 1999, the pinnacle of human civilization, which is basically the world as it was in 1999 in the city, right? Which I think in the first, in this one, they make it pretty clear. It's like Manhattan, right? But in the next two films, they kind of make it just like the city. They make it seem like a very kind of generic 
urban scape, you know? Yeah, well, they, they, they actually, in, 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 you know, some kind of, somebody kind of realized that, that if you look at his folder, we're going to get to some points here, but, uh, just in, in the terms of the synopsis, the city that he's in is called Capital City. That's just what it's called because that's the name of the city that he lives in on his folder. That's on that shows his license and his passport. Okay, so yeah, so it's not even any kind. It's just like which makes it all the more much like the simulation is what this is. It's not New York City. It's a city of 1999, a a first world industrialized urban landscape type thing, which gets me to the point. So anyway, he 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 buys into it. This is feeling like an Akira. Type of synopsis. Yeah. So well, I mean, here. obviously the Wachowskis are like influenced yeah. by all of that stuff. Sure, sure, um, sure. So he makes this movie. He, he, he makes this, uh, Morpheus gives him the decision to either join with this resistance. You know, he, there's always that famous kind of now kind of scene. You know, you take the red pill, um, and you basically see how far the hole goes. Keeps that whole kind of like as a Wonderland trope or as a Wonderland thing or take the blue pill and basically wake up in your bed and, you know, Decide oh, yeah. whether it was all a dream or not. Yeah, yeah. You know, and pretty much he goes, wakes up in his bed, and life goes on as it was, and he wonder whether any of it was really what, what, what his meeting with Morpheus was even real or not. Um, and stay in the dream of the Matrix. He takes a red pill, and then from that point on, it's him learning about the reality, him being taken out of the machine, joining with the human resistance, uh, which is basically a very difficult life on these kinds of ships. Uh, that kind of float around, sending out signals, sabotaging what they can from within the Matrix. Uh, although they do mention, and you don't see it until the second film, they do mention that there is a single underground human city, free human city of Zion. Um, yes. which is where that basically is like the, kind of the base of operations for the end civilization of human revolution, for the human resistance. Like people are born there, you have children, the whole nine yards. Um, and then you have like, multiple ships out there. Uh, trying to like be the actual resistance fighters against it. And, you know, you see lots of tropes go on. The, the kind of like G-men type characters, FBI, or uh, although I, I, from what I understand, they're probably more based on the men in black idea concept of like UFOs and stuff, MIBs, right? Not like the nice movie version of them with like Tommy Lee Jones, but like the scary, uh, conspiracy theory view of what men in black are like. Um, like if you run into one of these guys, you're already dead. You've already well, been erased. That you're already yeah. And, and like when you, if you ever, if anyone, anyone out there wants to check out on the podcastiverse, like look up like conspiracy theorist views of MIBs, and they're not like an encounter with these people is very intimidating and very scary. And there's an air of an other world. It's, it's very strange. Like it's not like you're not going to run into a kind of like homespun accent texas tommy lee jones type guy or a nice kind of like will smith type guy it's like a intimidating scary experience with the people that people claim are the real mibs anyway yeah they're, they're, it's it's people, you're basically you're basically synopsis ever i know this is like i said right. this is turning into akira okay fine the point is resistance he joins the resistance and it's going to be basically setting up but it's him and uh finding out in the end um, and I'm not going to tell you, but we'll probably talk about it. Uh, the big thing that Morpheus has been looking for, the character of Morpheus played by Lawrence Fishburne, is to find the one. Basically, a messianic figure uh, that will have the ability to actually manipulate the Matrix as he sees fit and lead the Resistance to ultimate victory 
against the machines. And that's kind of the point that um, Morpheus believes Neo may just be that one. Yeah. So, so, okay. So let's go ahead and just dive into the motion picture because that's as good of a synopsis as Goody can make. Good job, Goody. Good job. Nice I work. love cyberpunk stuff. This, this is like hit all everything for me. So let me, let me give you the, the, the IMDB synopsis. A computer hacker learns from mysterious rebels about the true nature of his reality and his role in the war against its controllers. That was it. That was the whole thing. <laughs> mine was better. Because it's Seriously? so accurate. <laughs> mine, mine, mine was better. Mine was better. Yours was better. Yours was better. He's trying to state this as fact because that's very debatable. <laughs> yeah. But in any ways, Goody, Goody no. like I said before, Goody, and I drink to you, and I love you. Okay, moving on, brother. So moving anyway. on. Anyway, so, so, okay, let's talk about the motion picture, all right? So there's so much to unpack with this movie. I mean, God, I hope this isn't going to be a four-hour podcast. Hey, well, it actually way. can't be, so. <laughs> I know, I know. So either way, um, with the motion picture, there are so many scenes, but let's just go ahead and just get started. So first off, we have the beginning of the movie. We have the scene with um, Trinity in the hotel called the heart of the city, which we'll get back to the hotel later on. Um, and she's getting essentially going to be arrested. And then she literally beats up every police officer in the room um, and kills a few of them in the process. And then when she realizes there's an agent, she literally books. And it's one of the things that I always notice in the motion picture. And when, and you kind of see in the beginning, like this woman basically killed you know, five or six armed police officers without breaking a sweat. Yeah, no, no stress. No stress whatsoever. Just no stress. Off. Okay? And at the end of the scene, she's done. And then when she realizes, when they when they tell her that there's agents there, she runs. Because there's one thing to be dealing with normal cops. The other thing is these, like Goody was saying, these agents, these MIB-type people. These people, she is truly terrified. About because she knows she cannot handle them. Like anybody who goes up and they mention it, anybody who goes up against them dies. dies. Yeah, every one of them. That's everyone. That's what how they phrase it. Everyone who's faced an agent one on one is dead. has died. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so so she. If you die in the Matrix, you die in real life. Also, in because real life, exactly. The mind can't. Well, the, the brain cannot live without the mind, or something like that. I mean, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, the body won't live without the mind because in in your mind, you believe Matrix, you're dead. You believe you're dead. Well, so no, that no, makes total sense. That they, they, you download your brain, your mind into the Matrix, and if you die in the Matrix, the Matrix as a system deletes you, so you just have a body, right? Well, I, well, the point is that, but like the reason why the one, but that's why, like, if you get shot in the Matrix, you think you die in real life. But that's why, like, that's why Neo's character was so special because he learned to finally get over that mental hurdle that this is none of this is real, so I can control it however I want. It's kind of like that point in the Freddy Krueger films when the person finally knows how to control the dream; they can fight Freddy type deal. It's like, and theoretically, anyone could really do that. It's just that. We can't get past the fact that no bullets, even though I know these bullets are not real, I oh, yeah. can't get past the fact that they're not that they're real. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah, what I I'm it. it made sense. That's a yeah. cohesive thought. I got it. Exactly. Yay. So Yay, goody cohesiveness. I haven't drank so, enough then. Yeah, okay. Keep drinking. So basically, and then in that same scene, she's running across rooftops, 
you know, running from the cops. And she's, you can tell that there's a, there's a certain sense of superhuman ability because the way she's running is so smooth compared to the police officers following her. And then, of course, the agent that's following her also is running just as smooth. So there's something happening there. You already realize that, okay, something's different with these two people, these two individuals. And then, of course, you get to the point where she jumps across the street to another building and she lands. And then, of course, the agent jumps across the street and superhero lands. You know, yeah, every the, time when, I went knee on the ground type thing. Yeah. When I saw that scene, that's all I heard in my mind. I heard Deadpool's voice. Ryan Reynolds says, is that a superhero landing? Is it going to be a superhero landing? You know what I mean? Like, that's all I heard in my head. But, you know what I mean? Like, then, of course, when that happened, you know, you had the cops go, like, you know, like, what the hell? Like, that's impossible. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, their minds can't fathom that aspect of where they're living. And so she has to keep running. And then, of course, she has a scene where she jumps through the window. And then she pulls the two guns out and she's like, move because she's already she's at that point she's frozen with fear which another was another instance of who are we dealing with how bad are these agents and this we're just talking about the first 10 minutes of the movie you know what i mean did you notice that when she was running across the rooftops and there's like that scene where she kind of goes up and down and up and down over these various like pitched roofs that was a scene or a, a set that they stole from, gosh, what was it? Uh, Dark City? Is that right? I read about that. I didn't notice it, but then as soon as I read about that, I was like, holy shit, it's Dark City. Like, I, rec- I recognized it. Well, and and for everybody listening, there, there's, uh, there are so many uh, influences that brought, that culminated to give us The Matrix that we're going to be making all kinds of references, not to mention my personal favorite, uh, coming up here in a little bit. But... Um, it, it was heavily influenced by so many other great, great series or movies or shows or directors for that matter. And, yeah, and, 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 and the beauty of it is because the Wachowskis love all the same crap that we do. So yes. like they love anime, they love manga, they love science fiction films and cyber, I mean, all that stuff. So it was like, I look back, I'm like, they, they made this movie for me is what they did. <laughs> they were like, what sure. does Goody love? Oh, he loved Shadowrun. Throw Cyberpunk in there. Boom. There's and then eggplant emoji. Eggplant emoji. That loves this stuff. And that's what we're going to build. It, 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 it is. I mean, it's like it's so many of the things that that we – I mean, if anyone's watched listen to us, listen to our podcast, like you watch this film and they're like – anyone that's listened to our podcast will think, wow, this movie is everything they talk about all the time. You know? I mean, it is. Come on. And that's on purpose because of what kinds of like the same things. And, and I love the fact that we have these filmmakers that have decided, let's put all the stuff that we love, superheroes, comics, you know, science fiction in this one thing. And the beauty of it is because of, and, and this is something I love thinking about when you watch this first sequence that you guys are talking about and everything after that, all the superhuman action, but there's a reason why they can do it. It's not just like, Oh, suspend disbelief that they can fly and jump across buildings. There's actually a mechanical reason why they can do that. Well, yeah, you don't have to, to your point, you don't have to suspend disbelief. You don't have to just fall into, well, in this universe, they get to do that. No, it's the world that you and I and everyone listening right now are in is actually a construct, apparently. And these people have escaped it. And that's why they're not bound by the same rules. They've realized that it's just fake rules. They can, they can, they can mess with the physics. Exactly. Exactly. 
And that's, and that's what I loved about it. The fact that they can do all these great moves and they can jump across buildings and they can know all these fighting styles and all these abilities and like fly any sort of machinery or drive any kind of car or whatever they want because they learn, they just have, they have, they have a great, uh, a kind of like a, uh, a cybernetic, you know, cortical implant. Uh, they, they jack into the back of their brains, cyberpunk right there. And it just, um, downloads anything and everything they need to know for that moment, for that mission. And, uh, there we go. Whether it be it's fighting very, styles or not. That was very, it's very, it's very like, I know kung fu. <laughs> yeah. Well, which, which comes to make me think like, I guess they don't necessarily retain that in the real world. I'm assuming. I mean, they never really addressed that though in the movies. I and mean, not that I can remember anyway. No, no, they, they did because you remember, um, doesn't, uh, gosh, it's one of the, the sequels. Doesn't he fight someone in real life at some point? Oh, he fights, um, that was in the, I think, Matrix, uh, Revolutions, I think. The oh, when he, got- when he fights Smith, who is able to download himself into a character. Yeah. Uh, one of the other characters, actually, like. Was that in, was, was that in Revolutions he, or, 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 or upload himself into somewhere or whatever? That, that was, was that, in Revolutions, was, yeah. It was in the last one, right? In the last yeah. part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah. was he doing like crazy kung fu stuff? Or well, probably not, because like, there's no crazy kung fu physics in the real world, quote unquote. Yeah, so exactly. he's not doing that. It was more just a kind of like a visceral. This is what a fight would look like in real life type thing. So speaking of crazy kung fu physics, it's not. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but my favorite scene in this whole motion picture is the sparring scene. Yes, which is great because it's not just kung fu, but like a multitude of different. Fighting styles, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I was this, I was watching some of the things, and I realized, so there's a couple of things that I realized while I watched this movie. I realized for a long time, but there were a couple of things new that I realized now when you're watching, is the tint of the different scenes. Okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. So whenever they're in the Matrix, there's always a kind of a green hue in the motion picture. Everything's got like a green tint. Yeah, looking so at it, kind of like the whole like, well, what they show when they show the code, the little, like, the cascading code screens. It's always black and green, like which, the old Apple II GSs or which, whatever. Which the fun fact on the on, on the code is that that's uh, sushi recipes in – sushi recipes backwards. Good times. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. So sushi recipe that, like, the, the katakana characters, you know, of course, it's all mixed up with, like – numbers and different things and different symbols but the katakana characters if you take them all together they're going to be sushi recipes that are written backwards so so that's what that's one of the things but like because the matrix code is green when they're in the matrix it has a green hue everything has a green hue they put a green tint on the film on the movie um when they're in the real world it has a kind of a blue hue because blue supposedly is the color least found in the real world. So they just decided to make it blue. Well, I, I look at it in terms also like if you look at them in the real world, it's all very blue or kind of gray. Like it's all very miserable. Yes. Because like they're underground. They don't get to go outside. There's no real sky because it's been covered up by what humans did to try to fight the machines. Exactly. And it's like to kind of get a pervading sense of like kind of like a mis- almost a gray miserable mm-hmm. existence. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. 
you see that change when you go to Zion, but um, it's like in the ship, it's like very, it's cold is what it is. It's very cold. Exactly. And so like, and other than the one scene when they're sparring, that one is yellow because it's neither in the real world nor is it in the matrix. That is just a program within the actual system of the Nebuchadnezzar, which that's a whole other thing with Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know if I'm off base, Goody. You would probably know more about this than I would, maybe, uh, based on you know what you've learned in you know in history and 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 in your religion class at at at, at, at the University of Miami and stuff. But because this movie has so many transformative, I guess, themes to it, where people are transforming left and right, kind of, um, which is another thing that you know there's a lot of trans. You know, you know, imagery in this motion picture, which I totally get and I totally understand. And I think it's great that it was come out like during that time of when we, in the nineties where you weren't seeing a lot of that stuff and, and themes like that. But you know, when I when I, they did, on this movie, in this watching in particular, when I realized that the name of the ship was, of course, it was, I always knew it was the Nebuchadnezzar, but I remember in the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar himself had a transformative experience, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he does. And one of those where it's like, you know, he, he's a famed king in the, of Babylon. Uh, king of Babylon with, in the Old Testament with, or the Hebrew Bible rather, uh, Daniel. with Daniel and Lion's Den and that whole thing. And Daniel was one of, you know, one of the Israelites that were taken to Babylon when they basically, tra- basically, uh, moved the entire Israelite population to Babylon. And yeah, he was one of those where when he sees that Daniel is like a prophet and is able and actually can back up all things that he does and the whole miracle of lions and all that in that story. Yes, the king of Nebuchadnezzar. I wouldn't say necessarily. Um, well, I mean, there's there's a story of him of him becoming like poor for like a certain amount of time, isn't there? So that he could know. Yeah, he, he, he like he goes mad. Actually, he goes mad for a certain amount of years, and that leads him. And then all of a sudden, he stops being mad because of you know. I mean. I understand. Yeah, according, according to the, to, to the story, yeah, he goes <laughs> mad because of the, so he can learn what it is to, who is the, the true most powerful God. And so it's one of those where he's like a polysyncretist where he's like, I, he's what they call a polysyncretist where he, he, he realized in, in, at least as the story goes, after his time, he's transformed his way of thinking. And he, his belief is that the God of the Israelites is the most powerful God and the one that Really, everyone should follow. The other gods of the of the Babylonians are probably real figures too. Are real figures also, but the most powerful one is the god of the Israelites. And so it's like he had a transformative experience. Yeah. So which is which is what's lying with which you can see throughout the motion picture all these different transformative experiences and themes and things of that nature that come up in the motion picture, which makes it deeper than you think it was going to be when it first came out. You know what I mean? Like what I realized while we were watching the motion picture, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, yeah. even, even Smith, even Smith changes and he evolves does. in this. Like, and that's the beauty of it also is that like you see all these figures and they make this entire incredible lore and backstory of all these characters that at their core they are computer programs that are meant to be a kind of maintenance but then you find out what other things were that were programs and that like you know it's funny if you look at apply to our own world look around yourself and there could be someone that you think you know who this person is and they may just be a computer program made by the construct what were you gonna say derek i don't even remember i I was listening to what goody was saying (laughs) 
okay. <laughs> well, there well, you go. I but mean, yeah, lots of themes of transformation and change and evolution. And, high, and, and, and that's one of the things that they did when they were making the movies, that they had them read these books on hyper-reality and things of that, and simulation and, and things of that nature because, because, you know, those, those are all these theories that, yeah, we're currently, we are currently living in the matrix. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's just what well, Elon theory. Musk has talked about that, but I think he buys into that idea that very positive, strong positive. He believes that at least he said a very strong possibility that what we exist, we are in a simulation right now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's one of those things and, and the motion picture kind of, plays to those type of ideas to a certain degree. But as we were saying, you know, we have the scene where, you know, like, you know, he meets, you know, he, he goes and uh, he, if you notice in his clothes, when he's before he meets with Mor- Morpheus, his clothes are kind of like shabby and they're kind of, uh, you know, they're just not, don't fit him properly. It's because he doesn't feel like he fits into his world. I mean, there's so much symbolism in the movie that I never even realized until I was watching this movie now. Yeah, he's he's uh, Neo as a character is almost entirely checked out of what is at the time his reality, his his real world, right? What whatever he exactly. believes is at the time it's the Matrix, right? He believes he's you know just not even focused on it. He's just trying to hunt down Morpheus to find out what Morphe Morpheus knows, and um, yeah, I mean, all this stuff ensues afterwards. I'm kind of curious. Um, so the scene where where Morpheus and Neo are in the building, and he offers him the blue pill, the red pill, and um, you know the the stipulation with the blue pill. You know, if you take the blue pill, then you wake up in your bed tomorrow, and you can choose to believe whatever you want to believe. You could make this all out to being a dream, whatever. Carry on with your life. Um, but moments later. Uh, that building is stormed by a bunch of SWAT agents and then later on agents. Um, so how would they have gotten him out if he took the blue pill? Well, here's the deal. When when, it, when, when we're talking about that scene, I mean, at that point in that scene, the heart of the city motel was just a rundown hotel. They, weren't, they didn't even know about it. I mean, it was kind of like their hideout per se. Yeah, in the matrix. Moments later, SWAT. But moments later, you're talking about you know a good hour into the motion picture. What? Oh, you're right. I'm I'm conflating two different scenes. That's that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because the, the 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 pill scene is a good hour before you know the 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 that was the, the traitorous order. scene with the deja vu and all that. Yeah. Or, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You know. And and even still, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, in the final scene where he stops the bullets, that's back in the heart of the city motel. It's the same place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, so I mean, that, which is funny because if you think you about mean it, that. Mouse's final resting place? Yes. Rip yes. Mouse. R.I.P. Mouse. R.I.P. Yeah, Switch. R.I.P. Oh, Apoc. Okay. I gotcha. Okay. Sorry, but <laughs> there was a mouse bus movie. Not like this. Not like, not this. like this. No, not like this. Oh, that part broke my heart. I was like, oh, I can only imagine seeing that like in real life. All of a sudden, just someone drops dead like that. Like, oh god, that's rough. That's if, like horrible. whenever this movie came out. If they were really invested in those characters, I was. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. 
You mean that person wears white and everyone wears black? That's awesome. I love how they did that. Oh, oh, and, oh all right. No, she okay. died. Okay. <laughs> bah, 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 bah. You hear the theme, this is the song from, wow. from fucking, from, from Price is Right. Bah, 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 bah. Or that one, uh, no whammies. <laughs> no whammies, no whammies. Anyways, but yes, but yes, um, God, I've been drinking a lot of milk stout. Anyways, so in any case, but yes, no, that, I mean, that hotel has a, a, so much distinction in the motion picture because they show it like two, three times. You know what I mean? And when they show it, you know, okay, there's something about this hotel. So is that hotel like the heart and soul of the Matrix personally? I mean, is it the middle of the Matrix? No. Per se? No. I'm just saying no. I think Who's that, to, you know what I think yes and I think yes and I think you guys are wrong. Well, okay. So first, um, we should preface this with uh, a bunch of the Matrix. Wasn't it based on a comic book? I mean, it's based on a lot of comic books, but I don't know. I thought that there this was uh, they kind of conceived of this and contrived it from a comic book specifically about the Matrix. Uh, I don't know. If, I, I, that, I don't know. Okay, well, if that's the case, if I'm not off my rocker, which I very well could be, um, then it sounds like just a convenient storyboard where it's the base everyone goes to. It's like home home plate, right? You always know where home plate's at, right? It's a possibility. It's a possibility. I mean, because, I mean, it just seems I mean, too- they call it heart of the city for a certain reason. You wouldn't call it that if it, didn't, if it wasn't that. There, exactly. Right? Exactly. Well, so you know what? At the same time, though, I don't know because you know what? No, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> okay. I mean, I just, I just think that because of the, I mean, it also could be for narrative purposes because they show that the, 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 I guess the sign two times in a manner to make you make sure you understand. Hey, we're at the heart of the city motel. You know, what I mean, the same way they do it. In the beginning of the movie is the same way they do it at the end of the movie, where they pan down, you see heart of the city motel, and then it moves off to see Neil running. And the other one, the first one, it moves off to see uh, the cop car showing up with the agents. You know what I mean? So, so it's it the the, the it's it's showing you in okay. I'm not a film degree person of any kind but i think it's showing you a sense of continuity that okay it's beginning and ending in the same location so we're having a sense of this is continuous this is someplace that's used well, it, quite it, a bit it, and it's cycle but again cycle of transformation exactly he has his final transformation in the place where it began or one of the spot the beginning of it of, all, of it all for him Exactly, yeah. or or for the group, the beginning of the group of this whole issue. You know what I mean? The so, story arc. The story arc. You know what I mean? Like it, the story arc is beginning and ending in the same place. So it's it's like I said, it's a sense of continuity. All right. So it's just you know what I mean. But but going back to let's say when um when he when 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 Neo is encountered on that. N- Beautifully shot 90s C prompt PC. <laughs> MS DOS, baby. Oh, MS DOS. DOS, man. Is that, is that, is that 6.0, Goody? Was that 6.0? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't tell from the font of the C and the, I mean, I, whatever, dude. 
<laughs> it's that <laughs> command like, prompt, baby. Yeah, baby. C prompt, living it. C D okay. space S I E R R A. Yes, 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 girl. Anyways, but yeah, but uh, the, like, so when he gets HQ one, oh, not enough memory. Use a boot disk. Oh my god! Oh my god! I was gonna say it. Sucks. Anyways, so ah. in that in that scene, GK two. When he gets when he gets the the, uh, the 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 information from we assume is Trinity, and he has to follow quote unquote the White Rabbit, which this movie has great like Alice in Wonderland references, which is fantastic. But the whole follow White Rabbit, where because because we find out that Neil's a drug dealer also in the Matrix, which is hilarious. Not only is he a hacker, but he's a drug dealer at the same time, which is funny as hell. But wait, Neil? Yeah. He's not dealing drugs. He was selling a virus, man. It was on a disc. Ah, he's selling drugs too. Where? Okay, okay. Where was it? Like tucked into the three and a half inch floppy? Yes. Yes. No, man. It It was under it. You didn't tell. It's like when you pass money to a valet. I don't think you. I don't think you know what. No. 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 All right. Maybe. Maybe. He's selling viruses and wares and stuff, dude. Like, come on. Let's let's agree to disagree. No, you're wrong. So I will point this out. Uh, somewhere on the internet says that he's using an old form of a Unix line prompt. Wow. It's command line. Eggplant emoji. Eggplant emoji. <laughs> so not even Ms. Dodge. He's using Unix, man. Whoa. Oh, shit. Whoa. That will send me right back to hackers. Are we? Whoa, are we gonna, man. Oh, gosh, yeah. Whoa, man. Quick. Um, are we going to... Uh, why don't, can we talk a little bit about some of the uh, influences? Yeah, go ahead. Do, okay, okay. Shoot, yeah, let's go, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Do it. Okay. I'm going to start off with the one that I care about, and then we can talk about anything else y'all want to. So much of this movie was derived from Ghost in the Shell, the original movie. And if you've ever seen it, you can literally almost copy and paste certain scenes out into the matrix and see where the inspiration came from. Right. Do it, Derek, do it. It's, do it's, it, Derek. Oh, you mean go through them. Okay. Do it, do it, Derek. Do it, do it, do it. Do it. Um, okay. There's, uh, one of the opening scenes where Neo is asleep, stare in front of a, a monitor and he wakes up to like flashing, you know, the reflection of his screen on his face that shot that was also in the original ghost in the shell where uh, major Kusanagi wakes up in her room and she's got a digital readout reflecting on her face. Um, later on towards the end of the movie, there's a tank that she's fighting that grabs her head with a claw. And that is almost shot for shot. The same scene where Neo uh, is released from his pod in the real world and a, machine comes along to unplug him so that he can be, you know, ejected from this system. Cause he's basically a defunct battery at that point. And nice. they nice. grab him by his neck and it's the exact, almost the exact same shot. Right. Um, the entire scene where they're trying to, I, it, I think they made it look like it was the empire state building where they were, they walked in with bags and bags of guns to save Morpheus Yes. That whole scene in the lobby where they basically blow up everything with bullets and they go through infinite rounds. 
that entire thing was the closing scene of Ghost in the Shell where she was fighting the tank. A lot of the angles and the the effects that the bullets had on the granite and the wall and the stone and all that, very same, very same thing. And I don't say this to play down the Matrix. The Matrix was awesome for picking a badass source. So I am all for it. But, um, I mean, those are the ones that come to mind. I know there's a lot more I could probably think of, but, man... I am all about, this is probably the closest I'm ever get to talk about the Ghost in the Shell series that I love so dearly. It's probably one of the best anime series that's ever been written, but I'm enjoying this and, and I'm all about them trying to, to pull this, uh, these, these useful aspects of creative story writing or storytelling or, um, you know, camera angles and all that kind of stuff to make the Matrix better. I'm all for it. I mean, well, let's, 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 let's talk about that for a certain degree. I mean, this motion picture was almost, you could almost say, it was as close to an anime slash kung fu style cyberpunk movie as you could get in real life. And nothing had been made before it like this. I mean, this motion picture like literally changed action cinema for the better. Like we had talked about it with Hard Boiled, and we mentioned Matrix to a certain degree at that point too. That Hard Boiled kind of changed action cinema for that kind of movie. Same before as with Die Hard, changed action cinema at that point. You know, mm-hmm. Matrix Matrix is a motion picture touchstone and a touch point in action cinema where you had you the the technology was there for you to be able to blend all these different types of styles and it would, and it would work and it would work. The genius that, and I, and I, I don't, I don't mean to say that, you know, like a ghost in the shell is the, the, the single best thing that's ever been created, blah, 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 none of that. Right. But there are brilliant creators in other genres of film or animation or TV that, if that genre is not popular, it doesn't get the spotlight that it deserves, right? So in this case, um, you know, they're, they're trying to make a great film. They're in, you know, American Hollywood, which, I mean, they, they, it's a pretty big uh, platform to, to be able to, to, to utilize and wield, right? Um, the, 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 I'm trying to remember the guy who... Gosh, what was his name? Oh, uh, Masamune Shihiro um, that wrote Ghost in the Shell. He had all these brilliant ideas, but anime wasn't mainstream. So anime didn't get it. it, it no matter how good his ideas were, they weren't going to get the uh, spotlight that they, they deserved, right? No one was ever going to see his work because it was small time. Anime wasn't popular at the time. And with the Matrix being in the forefront, being able to pull these things to, you know, almost pay homage to, you know, great workers, not just Ghost in the Shell, but anything else that they pulled from, because they pulled from a lot of stuff to make this movie. Um, it just kind of gave a lot of light to maybe lesser known uh, platforms, if that makes sense. Well, it makes, I'd say it makes complete sense because, because you know what they're doing is that the Wakasas, what they did is that they made, this is... Well, you said homage and you kind of backtracked, but I, I would say you back, back pedaled a little bit from that, but I would say, no, don't do that. It is an homage. They are, I mean, the fact that they are kind of lifting scenes, they're not copying 
they are making an homage. They are writing a love letter to Ghost in the Shell because I am positive the Wolkowskis saw Ghost in the Shell or they may even read the manga or oh, did both. They, you know, so they, I even, uh, I was reading an article where the, the director or the producer or, or someone who wasn't with, um, with the, uh, the Wachowskis, um, whenever they were pitching the Matrix to, I, I don't know whom was going to fund it or whatever. Well, Joe, it was Joel Silver. It was Joel Silver. They just showed him the Ghost in the Shell movie. He watched Ghost in the Shell, and they said, "We want to make this, but with real people." And and here's the thing: when, it, when it, if you think about it, which is which is fantastic, because yeah, they made this movie, and this movie jump started them to make uh, Speed Racer. Which I don't know if you guys have seen Speed Racer. I know I've seen Speed Racer, and Speed Racer in my mind was way ahead of its time because. I think Speed Racer is a much better motion picture than what it's given credit for. Like after it's been after it's been out, it's got a great cult following, and I think the movie is actually really good. Like it's a really good motion picture, and I wish it would have done much better. Yeah, the one in two thousand. Have you seen it, dude? Yeah, you know what? Um, a lot of people gave it a lot of shit, but uh, I enjoyed it when it came out, and I enjoyed it too. You know, uh, even if you don't like that style movie, or you know the very much like anime influenced uh, dialogue that they kept in the modernized movie, um, it's a great movie. God, for audio and video nuts out there, you can put that thing on in like 4K Blu-ray on a great oh my it's so God. vibrant and beautiful. With like 7.1 sound. Oh, dude. Like you're at great. It's great. Dude, it's amazing. It's amazing. Eggplant emoji all day on that one, dude. All day. Um, but like the, you know, the scrolling green characters that they used in The Matrix was originally done in Ghost in the Shell. The jump down to the... Uh, you know, the, the super, what would you call it? The superhero landing on the knee? Yeah, yeah, exactly that one, yeah. That was in Ghost in the Shell, shot for shot, right? They, they, they've pulled, and I, I know a lot of the Ghost in the Shell references just because I'm obviously a Ghost in the Shell uh, nut, but um, it, the way that they jack in, you know, they've got the, the, uh, the big plug that goes in the back of their head, right. To get into the matrix. Same thing. That's in ghost in the shell. They were I mean, that, that was also in like, for a market. That was also, same thing. Like that was like in giant mnemonic. You know what I mean? So, well, and then the thing is that like, you also have to look at also that this is, you know, ghost in the shell also has its own ref, its own, um, its own homage or influences because it's still like, not just ghost in the shell, obviously anime and ghost in the show is going to be the big influence that this can be on Wachowski's, but like, the general influence also of the genre, the cyberpunk genre, for example. I mean, you go back to William Gibson's um, Neuromancer novel, which is kind of like seen as like the birth of the cyberpunk genre. And even like the Shadowrun tabletop game, like that whole view of a city is like part of the cyberpunk thing as well to the point where it's like, you know, plugging in your your mind into computer goes to back then. I think even, I think I want to say Neuromancer came out in the 60s or in the 70s. Um, yeah, and so where you have that idea, um, and then look at Blade Runner, also where you have that whole kind of Blade Runner is also that whole like noir cyberpunk thing, which is clearly kind of influencing things like Shadowrun, which then influences the Matrix, and even to a certain and also to the Ghost in the Shell. Um, 
Oh, where it's I, like, I forgot Neuromancer came out in 84. 84. I, I, I don't know why it was so, it was so soon. Well, so William Gibson was done. He, 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 not, if, if he didn't come up with, uh, the, the cyberpunk genre, he is absolutely one of the largest contributors, right? Well, so, he created the word cyberspace was his creation. Hmm. Okay. Like the term well, cyberspace, I mean, he coined it in that, in that book, I believe. What other books has William Gibson written? Did, wasn't he the one who also wrote, uh, Lord of the Flies? Oh, no. No. Very not different. No, who were? No, Very no, no. Okay. Sorry. 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 No, not at all. No, but okay, he, okay. most of his books, uh, well, I say most of it. any of the books I've read from William Gibson are all very much so like futuristic technology. Let me yes, back in, let me okay. plug in this chip into my head and I suddenly know how to fly a jet or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just like the, just that kind of influence right there. Um, I don't know. It's like they, and, and, that, and what I love about it is that, and maybe this movie came out at a time and I don't know, but, and, but it's it, it's a it's it, it would make it such a way where you watch this movie and you don't get the sense they are not stealing anything they are love lettering everything. And Sorry, then was, before before Mister Factor gets me, it's Wim Golding wrote Lord of the Flies, so that's that's my mistake. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> We're always worried about Mr. Fact Check showing up. You you need to live in fear of Mr. Fact Check. <laughs> That's why I do live in fear of Mr. Fact Check. He's actually he is actually Mr. Fact Check Smith. So be afraid of him. <laughs> That's the smell. It sickens the, me. The smell. Oh God. Like that... <sighs> emoji. No 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 no. Get out of here. Um, no, they, it, it's one of those where. Um, wait, is it William Golden the guy? Oh, I forget. Anyway, um, he didn't write Princess Bride, Goody. Don't don't say. No, that. I know that. No, nothing. But the point is that it's it's love learning all these things where they and, and this is what I loved about it is that they can make this film clearly taking from these sources and influences, but they've made something so unique and their own that you don't see it as, oh, all they did was steal from Ghost in the Shell. All they did was steal from Shadowrun. Um, but, or any other, you know, insert any other cyberpunk Blade Runner type thing here. But it's like, no, they're not, they're not doing that. They, they're clearly, you know, influenced by, but they've made it so much their own that, and then they, then they added their own things to it to make it so unique, which, which my problem with this whole, what we're doing now is that, I want to pull in stuff from the sequel films, which I think get a lot of flack, especially the second movie. Um, I think unnecessarily, but I can't because that's not the movie we're so talking about. I. We're talking about the first one. So, do I. so, so do I. but they, they, they made so much of it their own, especially which you, especially you see in the sequels that is just so, I mean, it's great. I loved it. Look, look, this okay. And, and I know we're not talking about the sequels and I, I, it, but I think in essence, you kind of have to mention the aspect of the sequels. I, I mean, when it comes to the sequels, as far as for me, I loved the sequels. I thought that it was fantastic of the Wachowskis because of this whole, and, and I guess now people understand it more, but this whole theme of transformation, if you think about it, the sequels transformed from the first one. There was a level of transformation from the first one to the third one. And people back then didn't really want to believe that because they wanted to stick to, because they had the whole thing with Star Wars. You know, Star Wars, there's really no transformation to Star Wars. There's really not. 
Oh yeah, it's very you know, straightforward. Where it's, it's heading, very heading. straightforward. You know, exactly. all trilogy. I wonder if really- there's um, I mean, other, okay. So Star Wars is a pretty solid. If we talk about the original trilogy, it is a mm-hmm. very solid trilogy, right? All three of those yes. movies are great. Um, if we talk about like Lord of the Rings, those are all, to my opinion, I would say that those those three are great movies, right? Are there any others that that did this well though with trilogies? Like the way that the, I thought the Matrix, the, the sequels were fantastic, but I mean, it seems like a lot of times there's just not good sequels. Well, here's the thing: with when it comes to the Matrix, though, you have to kind of put them in their own little bubble because when Matrix Reloaded came out, people got pissed because everything that was kind of built up in the first movie was literally destroyed in the second movie. Destroyed. Yeah, that that scene with the architect, which which is, that's the big twist in the whole sort of like lore and the mythology, the whole twist of it. And then, but not only that, but it was, it was also the delivery of it where the architect not only just hit you with some truth bombs, but then people just got confused by what he was saying because how it was delivered. And I think, Maybe the language a little too um, above people's mental pay grade exactly. for some people. Exactly. They didn't quite understand what was being said from the way the guy was saying it, which for me, when I watched it, it was actually like ASMR for me before ASMR. I listened to his voice and his yes. silky tones when he speaks. His, his like kind of like lulled me a little bit to where I had to like watch it again to actually hear what he said. Yeah. And, and, and the, the thing was, is that they were so, people were so mad because in the Matrix, they built up. Neo as, of course, this messianic character. But then all of a sudden in the Reloaded, the architect basically told Neo, you're not the first and you're not going to be the last. We do this essentially as a, as we said earlier in the episode when it came to the comic book events, it's a reset button. It's like, okay, we've gone as far as we can with this quote-unquote iteration of the Matrix so we're going to go ahead and add in uh, a messianic person to take care of it, reset the whole system, and then we'll start from scratch again. Oh, and by the way, as he kind of reveals, you always lose. You always lose. Which, because in because, general... Because as you discover in that movie, spoiler, which we just didn't do that, but yeah, the, the one is a part of the construct. He's a part of the process. And that's why he is always destined to lose so that they could then hit the reset. Zion can be destroyed to then be rebuilt again. Rebuilt again. And so in reality, if you back- think about it, if you think about it, 2199 is not the real year. We could be talking about 2599 at that point. You know what I mean? Like they, they may not yeah. even know what year. Who, who knows how be... many iterations of the resistance have, have, have happened. So I know we've gone super deep right now in the conversation and we've gone past the motion picture, but that's what got a lot of people really upset is that it was a lot of, I guess it was, you could say it was a little too highbrow, I guess for the, I guess it's hard, hard well, to people, say people, common. no, no, people were betrayed by the fact that it was not the straight humans versus machines, humans, good machines, bad resistance, yay revolution. Like, no, it was, it's far, not Terminator 2. It was far, yeah, it was more complex than that. And people, exactly. the general moviegoer, I guess, did not like that complexity. Oh gosh, don't, they did not. Nobody, lo- nobody likes an answer where it's not clean cut. 
It's and this is this and that's the reason why a lot of people were upset. Like I remember, I went to go see with my friends, and they were like, "What the fuck was that?" I'm like, "Dude, you guys didn't really." And then they were like, "No, why? Who? Why am I gonna? I want to make sure that this is this." And I'm like, "It's it has to be simple. I don't understand that." And I'm like, "Well, let me explain to you." And I explain to them. And they're like, "I don't want to hear that in a motion picture." I'm like, "Well, then I don't know what you guys are looking at because I mean, the first episode, the first season, the first movie, yeah, it wasn't as complex." But it had complex undertones. And they're like, no, it didn't. I'm like, okay, then I guess we didn't watch the same movie. And it's and that was one of the things that, like, after the fact, the second and third motion picture, just like the prequels, have gotten a lot of good pub, I guess you could say. People are starting to kind of, like, go back to them and say, okay, oh, now we understand what we're going to. But back when it came out, I mean, I remember I would have, I would get to argue with my friends, be like, you guys, the second and third movies were great. You just didn't understand where they were going. Well, because these were, you know, this was not independent art house movie. This was big budget Hollywood film where when you see the trailer, you're sold on the action and the set pieces and the explosions and the gunplay and the bullet ballet and all that stuff. Not on the, oh, and by the way, the cyclical thing you may not have noticed in the first movie by everyone's the movie starting and ending in the heart of the city hotel. By the way, everything is cyclical in this film. Exactly. And, and it, then, and then of course the architect hits him with one thing because you see the little screens pop up with him and all the different Neos doing their thing. But of course this, which, which is the point of this movie, this Neo is different and maybe they can break the cycle. Exactly. And, and quote unquote, you know, spoilers, he does, but you know, it's, kind of like a new thing and the architect and the oracle in the last movie are kind of like seeing the end of the movie like what are we going to experience now oh let's see what happens that kind of thing so it's just it's just, there's a lot of different things with this motion picture and we've gone so off base this is crazy tangent for this motion picture <laughs> but, but i love all, cyberpunk put my brain in a computer <laughs> are you gonna be like that dude from fucking MCU, the uh Emil Zora or whatever the hell his name is? Oh uh, man, I would love that. <laughs> I wanna be a monochrome face on a on an old ass computer screen. Captain Rogers <laughs> when he talks to him and shit like that. Um Maybe but either I way I will be living in bottom of a BuzzFeed. <laughs> oh shit. But either way, all right, so going back to the original Matrix, let's go back. Let's travel back in time. Back in time. Anyways, so back to the motion picture at hand in the original Matrix. Okay, if we're talking about different scenes, all right, so we have, of course, the Kung Fu scene where he fights him. And, of course, I love – I've always loved that part in the the sparring scene where he does the Bruce Lee move where he kind of like taps his nose – and he just kind of looks at him yeah. and he kind of gives him the hand, like, move, come, like, come on, let's do this. And, uh, you know, and, um, and, and that whole scene is just, is so great. But let's talk about the, the fight choreography real quick. So uh-huh. the movie, the you movie, so much Bruce Lee and I loved it. Well, here's the thing. The core, the choreography from the movie was, um, handled by the fantastic. Most amazing fight choreographer, the choreographer of all choreographers, Yuan Wu Ping. Did I say that name correctly, Goody? I want to say it's probably Wu Bing, but Wu you know, Bing. Whatever. All right. Well, either way, was it, I know they called him Ping. All right, then. I, I, all right, I believe you. I know. Well, I know that Keanu called him Ping because in interviews he called him Ping. I don't know if it's Wade Giles' pronunciation or if it's uh, the Pinion pronunciation. Sorry, dude. 
So, okay, well, let's just say I'm going to go by Keanu's All right. pronunciation. He called them pink, so we'll call him Yomu Ping. And Yomu Ping was, um, you know, if, if your listeners have never heard of him, he is probably the greatest fight choreographer, uh, martial arts choreographer, probably martial arts movie director, in my opinion, to ever come out of Hong Kong and the Shaw Brothers. I mean, are you... Do you guys disagree with me at any point? In time? Not at all. I, I don't know, man. I mean, those some bold claims. No, dude. If you see, if, if I tell you the, the, the movies that he's been in that he's handled is is unbelievable. First off, you have the original Drunken Master with Jackie Chan. The original, not the '90s version. Okay. The original Drunken Master. You're, you're right. You're okay. right. That, so, that's okay. That alone is enough. Okay, so, I mean, there's that, but there's a whole mess of other movies. I think he was a part of, like, the Wu-Tang movies, like the Shout, like the Enter the Thirties Exchamber. I mean, he's been in so many movies. But either way, he was a fight choreographer. And the thing with him is that when he was making this movie, they asked him immediately, which goes to show you the Wachowskis, you know, or Wachowskis, however you want to say it, their knowledge of the genre, okay, not just of anime, but of the Kung Fu motion pictures of the seventies and eighties is that they went to him directly and said, Hey, we want you to handle our fight choreography. And he told them, no, didn't just tell them no once he told him no three times. And every time he told them, no, they went back and said, okay, well, how can we say yes to you? He said, okay, I want more money. So they went back and they got more money. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I don't want to do it anymore. Even though he loved the script, okay, he loved the script. He said, no, I don't want to do it anymore. Then they went back to him and said, okay, here's our more money. Like, okay, well, here's the deal. I'll do it. If you give me the actors that are going to be doing the fight scenes, I need them four months before we start principal photography. And they said, yes. Damn. Every every time he went back with a more exorbitant request, they told him yes. The minute he said four months to the principal photography, and they said, you're okay. Then he's like, all right, fine. I mean, there's nothing else he can say no to. So he took the job, and we have this fantastic fight choreography that you see in the motion picture. <sighs> I love every second of this movie. Um, so did is there... Anything that we can, I know it's going to be hard, but I need you guys to help me and try because I can't think of anything. Is there anything that we don't like about this movie? <laughs> I mean, I don't, there's nothing really that I don't like about this movie. There's so much stuff that I like about this movie. I no. Mean, yeah, I can't. I mean, I mean, we let's start, start naming it. I don't know. I, I can't think of anything either. I'm, I'm, I've run out of things. I mean, for me, okay. So well, this, okay. Um, Goody, Goody, hold on. You go ahead, Goody, okay? Oh, you said hold on and then go ahead. No, go ahead, Goody. Sorry. Go okay. Ahead. Um, one thing I noticed when I was younger, and I still think about it, it's just kind of funny. It's not even not even a bad thing. It's just that, like, it's just something that occurred to me when I was younger. And I'm like, you know, the way they dress, okay? You in no way blend in as one of those people. Like... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I'm, if I'm walking along on the street and I see a group of these people show up, I'm like, oh, okay. They stand, they're going to clearly stand out no matter where they go. There is no effort to try to, to, to blend in. 
if there's anyone listening who hasn't seen this movie, they basically wear either long flowing leather jackets that are black in a sea of people that are just wearing like black and white suits or like liquid leather suits that are plastered to their skin. And yeah, there's, they, they definitely stand out. <laughs> they're, they're very cyberpunk, it's cyberpunk goth, but like type of, type of stuff where like, you look at them and if they were any building they walk into, I'm like, yeah, those are suspicious people because you look at the weather, the weather in the city is not cold, but they are wearing clothes that you should be there for keeping warm. I would instantly think they're clearly hiding weapons under those trench coats or those long coats or whatever, because no way, no way do you look like that in this kind of weather and not be sweating. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like, it's like what was clear telltale things where like police say, suspicious activity and if it's like be vigilant and you think um what suspicious things that people would look like and that's how they look if you're someone walks into if someone's clothing does not match the weather they're in if it's a summer day or a spring day but they're clearly wearing long coats and stuff like that you're like oh they're hiding something under their coat these guys look so suspicious that if i ever saw them walk into an airport or walk into anything i'm like oh this is Bad things might just about to happen. You mean you mean with their with their custom uh, custom cut uh, sunglasses and <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I mean, it's like, geez, they, they, this the way they look, they don't blend in, and it's sort of like, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because the matrix can always find them according to whatever signals they're looking for, so they don't have to blend in. But if they want to blend in, they're not doing a good job of it. I mean, I, I thought it was hilarious in that scene in the lobby. You're talking about the lobby scene, right? Yeah. Any, like, scene, any scene they're in the, they're in, any scene they're in the true. matrix, they stand out. They don't look like everyone else. <laughs> Very true. But like, that's just case in point, the lobby scene, when he goes through the, uh, the, uh, metal detector and all of a sudden he opens up his jacket and the guy goes, holy shit. Like, she's just like, what the fuck is that? literally wearing, I mean, I, I, I would, I would pretty, confidently wager he's wearing over a hundred pounds of guns that are in <laughs> firepower on his body not even counting the giant duffel bag of firearms that he's got as well because they're trying to storm this building and which they, they, i mean the only thing they had in that duffel bag was apparently a large bomb yeah i mean <laughs> i mean and that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay, case in point, now that we're talking about the lobby gunfight, the scene, you know, if you watch the movie, did you notice that one part that as soon as it was done, it was all quiet. And then all of a sudden a piece of that pillar just falls off. Yes, I did. It was perfect. And, and, and that wasn't even supposed to happen. That was just by accident, supposedly, according to what I've read. Oh, it really? was just, it just, it, it, it wasn't on purpose. It just happened. And they kept it in the motion picture because it just seemed perfect for the scene. Oh, completely. It was a great little punctuation mark. Exactly. It's just death and destruction all around them. And then all of a sudden, bang, just the pillar falls off, you know, which is great. But yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, it's just like, you know, how many, how much firepower can you hold under a trench coat? I don't know. Ask Neo. That much. Yeah, this is how much. This is it. Is, is that a measurement? Can we say like a neo much? Yeah, yeah. Neo. How many is it? It's two neos. It's two neos. neos. Firepower. Holy crap! Two neos. What are you, the Doom guy? <laughs> uh, that's yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm. Just call me BJ Blaskowitz. You know. <laughs> or as we say, if you want to correctly pronounce it, 
BJ Blaskovich. Blaskovich, there you go, there you go. But either way, you know what I mean? Like those, those are the things that, you know, we, we, we joke, but you know, those are the little, little nuances that are just, just running rampant through this motion picture that I, I just fucking love. Like it's a, a case, another case in point, because they had Yuan Wu Bing as the, as the fight choreographer. If you saw in that montage, is Goody, can you say it? Sing it, Goody, sing it. Montage! There you go. Of the different fight styles he was doing, the last one they showed was drunken boxing, which was a kind of a, uh, hearken to his motion picture, you know, Drunken Master with Jackie Chan. You know, so that was one of the styles that, you know, Neo was learning was drunken, drunken boxing. I wish he'd used it because that's my favorite style to watch. God, I love that style. Entertaining. Dear God. Okay. So I have you, have you, Derek, have you ever seen Drunken Master with, 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 with Jackie Chan? Of course. Many the new or or the old version, whichever one. The answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh God, it's the best, the best. So I think I found something about the movie that I didn't like. Oh no, I don't know if I want to hear this. You may crush my dreams, and you know, I'm, I'm sure it's so minor. It doesn't matter. It'd be awesome. I, I know. <laughs> like, like my thing was like their clothes look stupid in the in the crowd. Like that was dumb. So oh. I don't know. Whatever. Twice. Uh, what, about, what about what about Derek what, is much smarter than I am, so I'm sure his reason is going to be like one that's going to change my whole thought pattern on this, <laughs> and I'm going to hate this film, and I'm going to take a, take a steaming about, dump on the entire cyberpunk genre. What about? What about? Get cyberpunk to 2077. I'm on a rant now, Bebel. Wait, hold on. <laughs> what about what about no, that trade? His clothes was made from a PVC tubing, so you know what? What? Yes, yes. Sorry. Go ahead, dude. No, no, no. We're not moving on from that. What, what is that? What did you say? Yes, according to trivia, according to what I've read in IMDb and stuff like that, which it was strange that I even heard that, but like for the, um, for the Matrix, okay, you know, other than, you know, some of the other stuff, you know, who was signed, you know, like, like Will Smith was supposedly going to be Neo and, you know, Sandra Bullock was going to be Trinity. But in regards to, okay, we could talk about this in a minute, but the budget for the motion picture was 60 grand. It ended up being about sixty-four, sixty-five thousand, seven million dollars. It was it was grand. million. Million. Sorry, I've been drinking. Yeah, sixty grand. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. So yeah, sixty. It was originally sixty million dollars. I think it ended up being like sixty-four, sixty-five million dollars after everything was done. I mean, uh, they made in the U.S. 171, almost 172 million dollars in gross. And that was domestically and worldwide. It was, hold on, I wrote it down actually. Paper shuffling, paper shuffling, paper shuffling. Shuffling, in, you know, eggplant emoji. It was. Or 65. It was 65, right? It was the budget, but the. No, no, no. Oh, gross was, oh, 465. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 465. So 465 and change was the world gross. But yes, you know, according to their budget, it had to be real cheap, their clothing, because they didn't give them a lot of money because it was filmed in Sydney. That's how it was supposed to keep the budget low because it was filmed in the U.S. It was going to be almost $200 million to film this movie. But in Sydney, because of whatever discounts or whatever they had, it was able to be much cheaper. And for that reason, like for Neo's wardrobe, it was all like wool wardrobe. All his wardrobe was wool. So it was like $3 a yard 
for him to make for them to make the movie. But in regards to Trinity's wardrobe, I'll find it now. It was you know hers was made out of like like PVC tubing or PVC lining, and so it was able to be you know it was it was cheaper in that sense. Is that I mean, why yeah. it's so shiny or something? I don't know. I don't get it. Possibly. She, possibly. The, that that uh, fake pleather yes. PVC stuff that they used to use, it's, it's, it's just a cheap material. Um, for mm-hmm. anyone who's done like live music where you've got people that wear a good up like that, uh, which I have, it, it's cheap. You could buy like 60 of them and you just print them out basically. It's, it's so dirt cheap. Um, yeah. So the thing I was going to say, uh, the, the one thing I think I might not like about this movie, and I can think of twice that she did it. She might've done it a third time. Um, Trinity does this thing when she's in a phone booth and she's about to die and she knows it. She sticks her hand on the glass. Oh yeah. Yeah. She kept doing it. Yes. She did it twice. She did it at the end too when, when they were in the, the, the subway right. scene. Yeah. And then, and then the time before is when the dumpster. In the very broke. beginning. Yeah. Um, that's why we're talking about it's all circulation. I don't it's uh, cyclical. Cyclical. Part of me wonders, like, if, <sighs> if they is there a chance that they shot her in a phone booth in front of a green screen and color graded it twice for two different scenes because she kept doing the same thing over and over again. Um. Because that's all, that's all very possible, right? You shoot it in front of a green screen, you color grade it accordingly, and it fits right into wherever you want it. So, so they just reuse the same shot twice? Even if they did, whether or not, the, the, my point is, whether or not they reused it, she kept on doing it. And I didn't notice that before until I watched it this time around, um, which just kind of seemed like repetitive. And, and it, since it didn't mean anything, it didn't need to be repetitive, right? Um, but now I'm thinking, like, maybe they just cut a corner there. I mean, it's a possibility because of the aspect of uh, the budget, maybe. I mean, like, okay, I, I found the actual thing. She, she, Her clothing was made out of PVC. So it was PVC to make it cheap. And his quote, his coat, like Neil's coat was made out of a wool blend, which only was about $3 a yard. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's they had to kind of do things. So you could almost say... Okay, for the time, this movie was quote unquote inspect- expensive, but it kind of was an independent style shooting because no one knew how much it was going to be a big hit because the the you know the 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 themes and the different the action scenes and all that kind of stuff you know you know it, who knew that they were people going to be okay with a uh, Hong Kong style kung fu movie made in Hollywood, filmed in Sydney, Australia, by two semi-unknown directors, who the only movie they made before, that wasn't, you know, because before they made, you know, their first movie that they made that they were, was big was uh, was Assassin. And with, with Sylvester Stallone and Antonio Banderas, that was their screenplay hit. That was their first screenplay hit. That's the first movie they wrote. And then their first directorial role was a low-budget, you know, lesbian style crime thriller, which was bound with Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon and Joe Pantoliano, who, oh, I, I mean, we, we didn't talk about it, but he's in Matrix as well. You know, National Treasure, Joe Pantoliano. I, I, I like Joe Pantoliano a lot. 
He was Joey a Pants. Cypher, I believe, right? Yeah. Yes, he was. Joey Pants, as they like to say. They call him Joey Pants in the industry. Do you they, know, so do they I don't know, but I but I do. And oh, I think it's an amazing oh. and I think it's an I think it's an amazing yeah. name. I don't know what you I'm think. sure I'm sure you'd be into that. You should probably find out. Yeah. I mean, if he's in bad boys, he's Joey Pants in my eyes. He's also the Fratellis. You know what I mean? He's the Fratelli. So oh, if we were man. talking Going on a tangent here, but the Fratellis, Goody, if we were talking about the three of us as the Fratellis, would you be Joey Pants? I would be Robert Davi, and would would Derek be the mom? No, he'd be Sloth. He'd be Sloth? Okay. Okay. Sorry. My bad. I'm checked out. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyways, but uh, you know, going back to the most picture, I mean, you got Joey Pantoliano. You know, of course, we always we talk about, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss. I mean, this movie was was so good because of all these different types of actors and people who were character actors. And, you know, and it's just, I don't know, man. I mean, we could go on and on about this motion picture. It's I think we did. Yeah, almost. We, we did. I mean, this is a so, movie. Uh, wait, wait. So uh, what's okay? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so, 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 so let's talk about shots. In my opinion. Jaeger? No, no, almost. But like motion picture shots in this movie, I want to hear, you know, as a director, your eye, okay? If you guys were to say this shot in the motion picture was my favorite, what would it be? Derek, I want to hear. We're going to do like a little bit of a McLaughlin group here. Mm. Derek, you go ahead. I, Derek, what is your favorite? I would be torn between two shots. Um, but I got to pick one. Well, I, I got to talk this through because I don't know. I don't know which one is better. I've always been intrigued by when uh, it, when when they're loaded into the practice, like Matrix space, but it's just like blank canvas, just white infinite. And, uh, you know, like those, those guns come like strolling by them and they're just like flying through. Yeah, that's a good one. I thought that was such a cool concept um, because I've never, I, I guess it made sense. Like if, if you could boot into a, a vacant program, and then he and just then, grabs one from the shelf, like, yeah. you know, all of a sudden. It, it, like the way they, they created something visually that conceptually I could never envision myself. It, that, that, that was brilliant to me. And then when it comes to like cinematic style, like, like just a great shot or camera angle, uh, Morpheus versus Neo in the practice dojo, Morpheus jumping to come down on Neo when he's on the ground and he rolls out of the way just in, in time. That's for, a good one. That's Morpheus a good one. He like to go through the floor, the tatami mats, man, that was a great shot. Cause you don't, that's really hard to do practically. And that's been done in anime before, but it's just not practical to do in real life. And they just, just said, would you fuck it? We're going to make it happen. Goody, what about you? What about you, Goody? Um, for me, and I'll tell you right now, um, I don't have as cool thing to say as what Derek is, how he delivered it, but mine, it's that moment when Neo is now the one. And I don't know if people picked up on this so much when the movie came out. I mean, I know I did right away how they're made of the same letters and Neo, uh, and one are the same letters. And also Neo means new, right? As a prefix, you can use it in, 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 in uh, words 
right? And that means new. Right, right. So he's the new one. Unlike the other previous ones that were part of the cycle, he breaks the cycle. So he, anyway. Oh, um, Goody, you totally blew my mind Oh, right my now. God. Wait, are you talking droplets. about when droplets? Away? Droplets. And he flips. No, it's when, it's when, it's that, yeah. It, well, for me, it's that, not even the flexing. It's just when, for me, when they, when he gets up, they fire their guns or when he goes, no. And they fire their guns and he just, that's that first time when he stops bullets in midair, right? Oh, when he I is like, a- the fact that, cause the flexing thing is one thing, right? And you kind of already see, oh, something different's happening here cause he's kind of risen up, right? He's had his resurrection moment cause he's a messianic figure. And, but the flexing, it's like, the flexing came, came, came later, right? It's just like when, yeah, when he stops the bullets in midair, when he gets up and he stops the bullets in midair and it's like, there it is. He has now become the one. He has done the thing that Morpheus said when, um, when Neo asked him, if I'm who, if, 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 are you saying that I could stop, I could dodge bullets? And then Morpheus says, no, Neo, uh, if you are who I think you are, you, you won't have to. Man. All right. So I got to no. change mine. And so for me, that's the shot. That shot, that's one shot. No, no, no. That one freeze frame you do it where he's just standing there with his hand outstretched and the bullets just are stopped. And then, and then of course Boom. he, he took, and then he takes one bullet and then he tilts his head and they all fall down. Yeah. No, that's it. I mean, that's, I got to change mine. Okay. So, mine. so for, hold on, 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 hold you know, because as I've I've always wanted to be a part of like motion picture. Like, there's always movie shots that I love. Like, even when I hear music, sometimes I think, how would that look in a motion picture? Like, how would that work out in a movie? You know what I mean? And so, like, the one scene for me that I absolutely love and I love seeing it every time is it's kind of like two shots in the same scene. It's the scene with the helicopter. When they're there to, to break Morpheus out and you, they're, they're, he's firing that rotary machine gun and there's stuff falling and hitting the bottom of the helicopter. And then of course they have the shot underneath the helicopter and the bullet casings falling towards the camera in slow mo. Oh, so I mean, like a that, waterfall, like a cascading waterfall of water, it, basically, but it's bullet. Yeah, it's, but, it's, but it's bullet casings, which I had always, honestly, I had always thought about those scenes in, like, in anime movies. They've done that, but they've never done it in a motion picture, in a live action movie. And then to see it, I'm getting goosebumps now. Shit. And then to see it in this movie, which, like you said, Derek, there was so much as far as influences in regards to anime and kung fu and even samurai movies. I mean, I mean, it was just, it's, it, there's just so much going on in the movie. And then to see that scene, which we'd seen in anime, but never in live action, it was just, it was unreal. Like I just, I let that, when I remember watching that in the big theaters and the theaters on the big screen and I'm just watching it and I'm just like, Oh dear God. Like that scene always stuck with me. Because it was just amazing that they could, they actually, which it's not like it's a crazy scene to make, you know what I mean? Or to film per se, but no one had ever done it. And they did it for the movie, which was, I'm sorry. It was just, it was amazing. 
What were you going to say, Derek? How have, how have I changed your life now with what I said? Yes, please, please, Derek, let me hear what you say. Well, it just reminded me that whenever I was watching it, I was like on the edge of my seat yelling that, oh, my wife, I was telling my wife, look, 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 he's going to do the thing. He's going to do the thing. And it was, it was always that scene where he flexes in that hallway and the room bends around him. Oh, I love that scene. That, <laughs> I love that part. A good fucking or, shot, dear God. Oh, what so, a what and, about and the that, shot? That's just after he like jumped into Smith and like exploded from within him. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what about oh, what about the shot when he's about to when he's fighting Smith and he does that kind of like shift kind of in his motion where he's fighting with that, one hand. <laughs> No, 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 no. Where oh. it's like they they fought each other, and he's in front of the stairs. He, they're still in the subway, and he kind of just like t- kind of twerks a little bit and does a little bit of a of a of a fighting stance. And of course, it was just totally like Hong Kong, like kung fu, where they have all that powder that kind of hits whenever they hit somebody. Powder comes up, and he kind of just shakes off powder off his body. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, talking about yes, yes. Cuts himself off, which. Which was never in any movie, any no U.S. movie whatsoever, not even any of the fucking Van Damme motion pictures. But I only saw them in like Jackie Chan pictures, where he would hit somebody, and even though they were not in a dusty place, dust would come up. You know what I mean? Like chalk would fly up for some weird reason. And I mean, I did it didn't take away from the action, but it was always cool to see that you knew that oh that person got hit. You know what I mean? It gave a sense of realism. So for him to do the kind of like that little shift where he's just trying to get into like a fighting pose and all of a sudden dust comes up off his body, crazy cool. And I mean, I mean, and we, and we, and we've talked about in the future, in, you know, in past episodes that Keanu, or as good as to call him as what, Goody? My boy. Exactly. Or, or the love of my life. That? Yes, yes. Goody, you know, Goody's romance in Keanu, the Keanu sans, as they call it in the world. You know, he, he, I mean, we all, we, we, we've talked about it. He is a high ranking belt in Tai Chi. You know, he's, after this motion picture, he got deep into martial arts. And, and, and you can see that, you know, and actually, you know, it was funny. I didn't know about this and I was reading about it and I'm sure you guys read about it too is that, before this motion picture, he had actually had surgery. Did you read that? No. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. He had surgery on his neck because he had like a cervical spine injury. Wow. Okay. Well, that's – didn't know that. Jeez. So, yeah. So, he had like you a – he had like a, all this? <laughs> well, the thing was is that because of that, he had to – he couldn't kick until later on in the filming process. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, when when the scenes that you you see him kick, those are scenes that are later on in the film because we all know that the film isn't done in the order of the right, script. Right, it's all out of order. But like the scenes that are that are that are him kicking, those are the scenes that you see that are, were filmed later on after he was at a certain point he was already healed after his surgery. So he actually spent like four months. In training with with Wu Bing, but later, you know, he he until after like two months of training, he didn't start doing kicks. But it gives you the kind of the genius, you know, 
it's just kind of strange, but not strange, but it's just funny, you know, how, how much of a genius is Wu Bing. You know, everybody's style in this movie is different. Morpheus' style is different from the, from Smith's style. Trinity's style is different. You know, I would, Leo's style is different. If, if, if all of them have learned Kung Fu from the same program, how is one ever going to be better than the other? Well, it's it's based on personality, all right, just so you know. So when it comes to some of the styles that they had done for the motion picture, like like for for Trinity, her style was much more graceful. Okay? Because when it comes with kung fu and karate, you know, it's it's kind of like you learn the same moves, but how you perform those moves is based on your mind and where you are as a person. Yeah, and because it, it didn't all, it wasn't just kung fu. They learned all different styles. And what it is is it's basically it's like handwriting. Everyone learns the same letters, but people write it differently. So mm-hmm. just with these martial arts, mm. you learn, and, and they learn not just kung fu, but they learn karate. They learned um, they learned judo. I think it was all also they, they learned Jiu-jitsu, all these different Jiu-jitsu. things. But and so the the individual though gets that knowledge, and kind of like when Morpheus is in the, in a sparring scene where he talks about improvisation. Right, like you, you all have the same base of knowledge. All the characters, in the, if you will, in terms of an in lore answer, but the person determines. Oh, I, I my, st- I may learn all all the different styles, but I might call upon a particular style more because, um, you know, instinctively that's that's my personality. I may choose a more aggressive style of kung fu, a more aggressive style, or whatever. Uh, maybe I learned Kemp, I use Kempo instead or something as a more aggressive style because I'm a more aggressive person. Whereas someone might lean on Tai Chi or Wing Chun more because of an old, their own preferences because that's just how they are. It's their handwriting, even though they all have, know the same letters. Exactly. So, so what Wu Bing did is that he, he went on to different, their different personalities. So with Keanu Reeves, his, personality is more geared towards diligence where he's he's gonna do the hard work he's gonna continue to do as best he can even though it may not be perfect but he has the 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 work ethic to continue on and keep moving forward you have uh lawrence fishburne he had more of a resilience type of nature where he could go on for you know as long as possible it may not be the strongest but he could continue moving forward and he wouldn't have to worry about how tired he would get because he would just push forward. You know what I mean? Resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Hugo Weaving, his thing was that he was precision. He was a perfectionist. He wouldn't stop until he got the move perfect. And you could kind of see with the agent, the way his moves were, it wasn't like as if he wasn't, you know, kind of being, uh, as, 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 um, as Morpheus said, where he wasn't being adaptable, you know, he was just jumping in and he was making sure every move was perfect and on point and it was done as it needed to be. And with like Carrion, a machine would want to do it, a like machine, a machine, yeah, exactly. And with Carrion, with Trinity, Trinity was feminine grace. Her moves were much more fluid, you know. It showed the gracefulness of kind of like a dancer, per se. You know what I mean? Hmm. So it's just it's it's like what Goody said. It's like handwriting. You learn the same letters, but everybody's letters are somewhat different. Huh. It's kind of you know, very different. 
or very different. You know, it's just a signature. Everybody's signature is different. But, you know, okay, so we've, we've talked a lot about the motion picture. We've talked a lot about everything happening with the movie. I mean, we all love the motion picture. I mean, we all love the aspect of the Matrix and what it brings, the different types of nuances. We could do, I mean, we could do three or four episodes on just the trilogy itself because there's so much going on. I mean, if we were to go to movie, you know, Matrix Reloaded, we have, what's his name? The French dude. I mean, um, what was his name? The Merovingian. Um, the Melvingian, which that's a whole other well, story. Well, yeah, that, that's when you get into the whole world of the actual programs. These are not even people. These are all digital Exactly. You know, individuals. The, Oracle, yeah. the Oracle isn't a person. It's a program that's been there since the beginning. And she's kind of like the first rebel. You know, I mean, it, it, and her and the architect go way back. They're like, <coughs> in, in my opinion, the architect and the Oracle are actually brother and sister, I think. They're like the first programs. Well, yeah, and you find out how the, there are some programs that just want to exist and don't care about the war. And there are some programs that want to help the humans because they yeah, have their yeah. own, even though they're all been written and created by the matrix. And yet it's interesting. It's interesting. These things. Yeah. But these, kind I mean, of, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think the architect and the, you know, cause you have this whole transformative thing with all these, this whole series. I think the, 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 um, the architect and the Oracle are kind of like Cain and Abel. And then you have the Merovingian and his wife are kind of like their kids. You know what I mean? Like you, there's just, there's just all this this huge thing happening in the background that you never noticed in the first movie that all of a sudden explodes in the second movie, which I think is part of the reason why people were kind of, you know, like taken aback with part two and part three. Oh yeah, it was a much bigger world. Than they than they realized. Yeah. You know what I mean? Much more complex even world. Though, complex. Even though they kind of hinted it in the first one, they just, you know, it, they made it so simplistic because it was the first movie that they didn't realize how complex it was. So, but, um, but okay. All right. Now I'm off my soapbox. Uh, Goody or Derek, let me tell you, since you had the whole ghost in the shell reference, I want to hear what's your rating on this motion picture. Whoa, 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 no, 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 wait, wait, before we close up with that, just one more thing. Okay. Go this on, is a fun little thing. Uh, on the spot, can you guys think of, and maybe want to do the ratings after, but give yourself a little time to think about, what are your random 90s cool cyberpunk hacker names you would give yourself? Because we've got Trinity, Neo, Switch, Apoc, uh, Morpheus. Do you guys have any, uh, just try, try to think about it for a minute. What do you think are going to be your little hacker names? I mean, the only nickname that even comes close to that I actually do use, and I don't even think of it as a nickname or a hacker name. It's just, I've always liked the word arrow, like from spelt like a, like, like the word aerodynamic. So, um, you know, A-E-R-O is probably what I would do. I don't know. Well, yeah, because I mean, think about it. Why not? Cause like we have switch, we have mouse, right? So, I mean, that kid is like a piece of computer hardware and or rodent. So. You have Tank and uh, what was his brother's name? Uh, Dozer, 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 Dozer. I mean, as far as the characters are concerned, are you no, asking no, about I'm, like, I'm talking about opinion? you. No, 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 no. Your hacker name. If you were taken to the Matrix, Ooh. what would become? Because, you know, they, obviously their human names, Thomas Anderson was not real because that was the one the Matrix gave him. His hacker name became his actual name. So what would be your hacker name is what I'm saying. Derek gave us Arrow, oh. A-E-R-O, which is pretty cool. Air and all that. That's nice. You have one? What would yours be, Goody? Oh, I've, I've got a couple of them, but I think I would stick with Malleus. What is that? 
M-A-L-L-E-U-S. That's the Latin word for hammer. Ooh, I like. Oh, dude, that's, that's tough for me because you know me, I'm not, I'm, I've never been into kind of the cyberpunk aspect of this, the, you know, this genre, man. I mean, his nickname would be Bebo. I, I no, honestly, no, no, no. you know, Bobo, <laughs> Bobo. That's actually my nickname on everything I put down in because look, look, and not for nothing. I love cyberpunk. I love all this stuff. I've just never been into it as much as Goody has been. And so like, I have a name that I put in every single save category that I've done ever since Legend of Zelda one, which is Bobo. I've always put in it. I don't care. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? It's undercover badass. All right, guys. Well, yeah. If, then if you're gonna go that way, then I still put for Zelda. I still put RoboCop as my. You do, you do. So what the hell? Thing. Go with it, Goody. So I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, as far as shit, I mean, I can only think of. I mean, God, you're gonna have to give me some time because I wasn't thinking about it. But well, for well, let's any, do the ratings. Uh, let's do the ratings then, and then do you get the back ratings. To us. Let me think about it. Let me think Anybody about it. Listening. Go ahead. Tweet or Insta or whatever. Send us whatever your hacker name would be. I'd be interested to see if you guys can come up with a better one. And you've got time to think about it. Um, let's see. Ratings. Uh, Tomas, why don't you start? No, he's thinking about his hacker name. I'm thinking about my hacker name. You so, guys go wait, let me think. On a scale of uh, 1 to 10, on a scale of 1 to 10, how many sad... Cyberpunk, pale-skinned, jacked-in denizens of the real world, would you give this? Oh, me? Um, I'm going to have to put this in the 9 range. Uh, I'm going to say a 9.2. So one de- 9 denizens and like a child. Yeah, there you go. A tiny child. Okay, I like that. I like that. What do you think? Uh, I- I'm going to give this... As much, I mean, I'm going to give it a 9.75. I'm going to take off 0.25, uh, simply because of the outfits and I want to be spicy. And so I'm like, I don't want to give it a perfect 10. You know what? Screw it. No, it's a 10. It's a 10. Forget it. I love it. Keanu. All right. So go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So as far as the movie is concerned, I'm going to give it um, a I'm going to give it a nine as far as the movie, because it's there's oh, so much a that Soviet happens. judge, whatever. <laughs> yes, no, no, That would be a six, but I'm going to give it a nine. So I'm, I'm more of a Belgian. You know okay, what I mean? I, I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh. I so, apologize to so, any Belgian listeners out there. My brother so, has no you know, idea what he's talking about, I think. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but what, what, what I'm going to say is that I think that, you know, the motion picture, it did so much for not just the movie industry, but also for the action movie genre and kung fu genre. It brought in different types of, you know, movies that me and Goody had seen growing up in the 90s that no one else had seen before. You know what I mean? Like people had never seen movies like Ghost in the Shell or even Ninja Scroll, which Ninja Scroll was a big influence on this movie as well. You know? So, so th- th- that's just one of the things that they, they, you know, it's just those movies, you know, five deadly venoms shit. I mean, we saw that movie in high school, yep. you know? I mean, Oh, and those- I don't even remember like, techn- I'm sorry, the technical thing, Bullet time. We never mentioned bullet time in this whole thing. Bullet time. Let, let, you know what? Before we get into that, let's talk about bullet time. 
Bullet Time was unbelievable. I mean, no one had ever done that. And I remember seeing like the making of Bullet Time. It's how many cameras was it? it was oh, like, I have no idea how many cameras that is. It's a lot of cameras. Like, it was fifty cameras in like like a an enclosed space. Wait, what are we talking I mean, about? Bullet Time. What is Bullet Time? That's the shot when they when they like when the camera spins oh, around them. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. I heard that for this. Wait a minute. Did Derek just say? What the hell is bullet time? I've never heard of it being called bullet time. It's called bullet time, yeah. Oh, bullet time. Like that that scene in the movie, and it done like did like four times in the motion picture, four or five times in the movie, that you see in other movies like Max Payne. And and the video game Max Payne used it. The video game Max Payne used it as well. But that whole the way the camera rolls around them. And it's like kind of like a slow mo, but it keeps moving forward in like a 360 view. That is called bullet time. And that was made specifically created for this movie, for that, for the scenes that you see in the movie. Well, they did it. And I think they used it at least twice, right? There was the scene where he's like grappling with Agent Smith and they're shooting like and missing each other, right? There's a scene on the rooftop where he's dodging the bullets. And then in the first 10 minutes of the motion picture, you have the scene with Trinity and the cops and she flies up in the air about to kick the cop into the wall mm-hmm. and it revolves around her. Well, that's a so, there's, so that's like three times in the movie that I can think of. Then there's of course, oh no, no, there's kind of like a half a bullet time when, um, when Morpheus is running to the helicopter where it kind of goes from behind him to the side. Yeah. Where he gets shot. That's kind of like a building. I guess you, I guess you could call that a, a quarter bullet time, maybe. I don't know. Um, I mean, I mean, it, it's used like three or four times. At least, and it was created specifically for this motion picture. I'm so I feel so horrible that we didn't talk about it until now. I didn't. I've never heard of it being called Bullet Time. Yeah, it's called. That's what it's called. And if you play the video game, Goody and I have played it, and we love that game. I don't know if Goody loves it, but I know I love it. Is Max Payne? Max Payne in that game lives in Bullet Time. <laughs> well, it, that's a basically a mechanic that you act you you trigger in the game with a button push in order to basically enhance your shooting ability, which shooting. Is like double exactly. dual wielding hardball style shooting. It's like ability. if if you were to combine Matrix with hard boiled, that's Max Payne. Yep, yep. The video game again. The video game, yes, yes, <laughs> and the motion, not the motion picture with Mark Wahlberg, no, and 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 uh, Never Mark saw, Wahlberg. Sorry, I have no idea how they, if he pulled it off, dude. It's no, it's horrible. It's not worth time. You're watching. I mean, it's it's with Mark Wahlberg and um, the rapper um, Ludacris. It's Ludacris, and it's not good at all. Are you saying it's, that Ludacris has ever made a negative film? Um, outside of Fast and the Furious, yes, yes. <laughs> outside of it, <laughs> Fast and Furious character, yes, he's made horrible movies. Do you really think his character in Fast and Furious was good? Well, it's better than what he's played in in other motion pictures. I mean, other than Hustle and Flow, Hustle and Flow, he was fantastic. I I don't know the the I Fast and Furious series track here, guys is very much. <laughs> 
Holly Shore series for me. I love them because they're like just ridiculous. Who Fast and the Furious? Yeah, I, I I don't care. I love them too because for that reason that you don't know, they totally suspend reality. Okay. But either way, let's get back to the motion picture. Uh, I have a name, and and because Goody gave me shit, I'm gonna do this name. I'm going to give the name of Max with two A's. Max, because that is the name of Rip Torn in the Beastmaster. I'm gonna go with that. I like it. That'll work. Whatever. If that's what you want to do, man. It's you. That's good. I'll hey, go hey. with it. It, it fits, man, because like again, mouse switch exactly switch max apoc. Like I mean, I, I could have been like you know keyboard or disk drive <laughs> or something. <laughs> I, I I mean I, I mean if I'm looking at the the, the name could have been worse. I could have been what's your what's your name floppy. Oh, <laughs> you know what? We're just gonna hand you the blue pill right now. Let's we don't go need that. Give, let's call him zip drive. You know, you never know. I mean, it was. It was the nineties, like, baby. Uh, the nineties. Floppy, you're gonna go with floppy. I mean, that's your hacker oh, handle, but we'll call, we'll we'll go ahead and say Gabriel Knight two since the father sex. Oh God! All right, <laughs> moving Actually, on. It's Gabriel Knight two, the Beast Within. Yes. Oh my sex. God! Sex. All right. Oh God! No one, no one understands that but me and Goody, nope. which is great. <laughs> But anyways, all right, so so we're going to go ahead. So I gave a nine. Goody, what would you give again? I'm sorry. Nine, seven, I, five. I said nine, seven, five, and then went to ten because uh, I couldn't help it. Okay. And uh, Derek, what would you go? Nine, two. Good. All right. So, I mean, it, it, this movie is, is for all cases. This movie is good. It's good. And you know what's great? You know what I realized while I was watching this movie is that so the the John Wick movies are directed by Chad Stahelski. Who is Keanu Reeves' stunt double in every movie he's made since The Matrix? Um, and I found out while I was watching this movie and I read some of the trivia is that the scene where he jumps up and he, and he breaks, um, and he smashes into the ceiling with the, uh, with, with, it was Smith on his back. Yes. <laughs> that one scene, he broke both, he broke his ribs, knees, and he got a dislocated shoulder just from that one scene. Ooh. Keanu Reeves did? No. Oh, this Chad, okay, okay. Yeah, his, like, his, his stunt like, Oh, my double. God. <laughs> exactly. Who, by the way, that's the same guy who direct, who's directed all of the John Wick movies. Jeez. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. I mean, this movie is there's, – there's, I mean, we've done, you know – for you listeners, we've done a, a lot to unpack as well. There's so much we could actually do a second part if we wanted to, no. because this motion picture is so good, but we're not going to. No. We're going to leave you wanting for more. Yes. But, <laughs> but in all cases and purposes, we hope you've enjoyed it so far. So what we're going to do is we're going to move forward to our top shelf. Goody, hit, hit that note, Goody. Top shelf. Top shelf. Oh, yeah, the top shelf. Oh. All right. Uh, Derek, you're first because you're a pansy. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. That's Fair enough. Good. Whatever. Um, so Sorry about that. Go ahead. I picked uh, one that I've mentioned recently, probably, I don't know, three or four episodes ago. Um, I got back into it. I went back and I've watched some more. It's called Haikyuu. Anyone heard of this? You guys ever heard of this one before? Never. 
Never, dude. Right. Never. Um, it's not really my thing because uh, for anybody who doesn't know me, I don't know much about sports ball. I've heard that it's a thing, but uh, if there's sports going on, I probably don't know anything about it. Um, and so this anime is basically about a kid who wants to play competitive volleyball. And it sounds lame as hell, but I'm really enjoying this series. I am almost done with the first season, and they've got four. So, uh, what's it called again? Haiku. H A I K Y U. Haiku. Um, and for anybody who wants to take a shot at it, uh, subs and dubs are available on Netflix to stream first two seasons. Pretty easy. If you've got Hulu, it's there as well. For those that are tried and true anime fans, it's on uh, Crunchyroll as well, all four seasons. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's proving to be very interesting. Um, I never, th- I, I don't care about volleyball. I, it's it's not, it is about volleyball, but you don't have to know about volleyball. You don't have to care about the sport itself. You're just in invested in the characters and their development, their practice, their honing of their craft or whatever. And, uh, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Hi Q. Nice. Kui, what, you, what about you? Go talk to us. Well, my current top shelf right now, which has um, dragged me away from the my you know summer slash fall of Assassin's Creed and video gaming, uh, has been one that game I've been like mulling over for a while now. And then I had a bunch of credit and like gift cards I found I hadn't used yet, and all blah blah blah. Anyway, uh, it is. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm, um, good choice. Oh, wow. I am going to say this. And if, you know, you don't believe me, you can come, you know, fight me. Please don't fight me. Um, but <laughs> I am going to say that it is probably, it is the most fun, the most I've enjoyed a Final Fantasy game in a long time. I will say that, and this is a pretty bold statement, but I think it's not going to be, it's one that a lot of people would agree with if they know what I'm talking about. It's part of it is that it has, um, it is, it has a perfect, a perfect battle system, uh, in it that keeps Ooh. it interesting and fun and exciting. Um, the game itself, not just the kind of graphical upgrades, but like the story upgrades. I mean, if you don't know anything about it, it's basically what they've done is that they're going to be making multiple volumes of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, just this game alone is, if you know anything about the game, it's only, the part of Final Fantasy VII that takes place in the big city, Midgar. But in the original Final Fantasy VII from 1997, uh, that sequence of the game usually take, took players about five hours to get through. But this game, if you do all the stuff, they've expanded it to about 40 hours of content. So, right? so, so, hold on, hold on. So, so, so basically this isn't gonna be, this isn't like, you're not doing the original game. You're doing a portion of the original game. Yes, but they've expanded it. They've included more characters. They've given more depth to characters, more backstory. And I mean, it's it's not a remaster. It's a full-on remake where they took the, the important story choices, story events. Like if you played the first game, you know more or less where things are going. But they've added so much more content and development and turns and changes in the story that you're still invested in what's developing. And I, I, I didn't, I heard a kind of, it wasn't spoilery, but something someone mentioned that they've done things to it that even people that have played the old ones and know the old one like by heart are going to be surprised 
because they've they've added something to it which I won't know until I finish it. They've added something to this game that can make you question the the direction of the rest of the series. Like they might change. There's a reason why in lore reason why Final Fantasy VII might actually turn out and develop differently than it did in the original Final Fantasy VII. I don't know. That's crazy. Like, That's I crazy. don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting what they've done here. I don't see what it is because they've added something to it that it was not in the original one. And I have no, these, these, these characters that, or this kind of characters, kind of being that I've never seen in the, it was not in the original one. And I have no idea what they entail and what they mean. Um, but it looks, so, it's, it's incredible. The, it, it, so is it going to be his own series then? Final Fantasy seven? Yeah. It's good. They, like I said, it's just this first part and there's still a ton of the game. And, and locations left. I mean, if they keep it going, like there could be yeah, several discs, several volumes of this. So, 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 okay. So spoiler alert. If I remember correctly in this, in this move, in this game, there's a scene where at the end of the whole scene with the city where the city basically gets destroyed. Well, there's one scene where like a plate of, cause the city is like a floating city. And there's yes. like two levels. The slums are on the ground level, and then above it is like the plate. And like some character gets killed to a certain degree yeah, in yes. that scene. Exactly. Like a like kind of like a kind of like an Orko character from He Man. No, right? no, 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 no. You're thinking of Final Fantasy no. Nine. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. That's Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into my mind. Yeah. Okay, but go ahead. But yeah, but there's like honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but it, it, okay. it's, the point is, it's great. The battle system is great because I was not, last one I played, I played Final Fantasy 15 and I never really got into it because for some reason the battle system for that just did not click with me. And this one is a very similar, but they refined it. They made it better. So now it actually is something that I, I can actually understand a little more and I am enjoying more. Um, but just, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great game, great story, great development. I'm wondering where they're going to be going with some of the things. Um, I, I'm, I am intrigued. And uh, I want to find out this one character being these. Basically, these guys look like these guys look like the Dementors from um, Harry Potter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're in this game. I have no idea. They just revealed them. I have no idea what purpose they play. And I'll let you guys know once I find out. But they steal. They were well. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. I don't know what they are. And then they showed up. And they're like, they look like they're in the background, almost like puppet master type things, but they were never in Final Fantasy VII. So I have no idea how a character of this character type of this kind or whatever these, these beings, what their purpose is, what their job is. But I'm, I'm highly intrigued to find out where this is going. And that the fact that I know what's supposed to happen in Final Fantasy VII, and yet I'm still wondering what's going to happen, I think is a testament to how they adjusted in this remake not remaster so there we go that's awesome and 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 puppet master could be good could be a good option for the halloween special so that's pretty campy but not sc- oh, okay all right yeah that's true that could what work are they for called, what are they, the full moon pictures right yeah yeah we could, we could we could we could go reanimator that might not work for, that might work for good well for him too yeah Ugh, we're not in the room, guys. Jeez. Or Bloodstone subspecies. <laughs> Bloodstone sus- maybe some scanners. Maybe Dr. Mordred. Oh. Maybe God. maybe a little <laughs> maybe Thomas, <laughs> did you have a favorite top shelf pick? I had a top shelf, and this is gonna be kind of a cool one. Alright, so guys, so um this is actually an HBO Max original. So if you guys don't have HBO Max, if you have HBO, you have access to HBO Max, FYI. But if you don't have HBO Max, there's a documentary that is an original for HBO Max called Class Action Park. Okay? 
So Class Action Park is a documentary that is talking about a theme park that was in, I think it was in New Jersey. Um, and it was called, it's called, it was called Action Park. And it was the most dangerous theme park in the United States. Every time, I mean, it was known because people who would go into that theme park and would ride the rides would get hurt and no one would give a shit. It was essentially managed by teenagers. Okay. But I mean, it's, it's crazy. The aspect of this theme park. I mean, they had a slide that people would get hurt. Uh, uh, the people who would talk on the actual documentary said, you know, one of the persons said they broke their collarbone on a ride. I mean, I mean, it was, it was insane. And the people who worked there, they brought them in for the documentary as well. And they would, and they were talking about how, you know, like, at night, when the park was closed, they would literally just hang out, smoke pot, drink. And these are all like 15, 16, 17-year-old people. And they were the ones managing the park. That's seven. So this, the, yeah, this is like in the 80s and 70s. So this was like kind of the epitome of the inmates running the asylum, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and there's a guy who's on the, who's on the, who's on the documentary and he's talking like he was smart enough not to get on the rides, but he was smart enough to know I'm going to go to see what happens. You know, like I'm gonna, I want to see what happens. Burn down. I want to watch people get their ass beat in different rides but I'm not going to get on this shit. I'm not that stupid. As a teenager, he was smart enough to know this. But there's people that they bring in saying, oh, yeah, like, I broke my collarbone. Uh, oh, yeah, like, I broke my arm riding on their log flume. Uh, oh, yeah, like, I I, uh, I jumped in there. There's a, there's a pool that you had to jump off of, like, a rock kind of uh, face to jump in. And it's just – it's crazy. Like – you watch this documentary and you're just like, why the fuck does this happen? And it's funny because Johnny Knoxville made a movie about this theme park recently. Uh, I, I, I'll get the name of the movie, but he made a movie about the theme park. And of course, since he's Johnny Knoxville, he's going to do all the stunts himself. In particular, there is a scene where he goes down kind of like, uh, the log flume or the, the different, the different, uh, one of the rides. Mm-hmm. And they had to film the ride two or three times because it's called Action Point. That's the name of the movie. And he had to film the scene like two or three times because he got so injured that they went to the hospital and reattached his eyeball. Twice. Gee. Twice. Twice. Not just once. Delicious. Twice. I'm out. I already don't want to watch it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And that's what we call action point. So this is the, I mean, the, 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 the theme park had different names, but it was called, everybody called it action park. So the, the documentary is called class action park. And I mean, I'm not giving it any credence. It is a fantastic documentary. About, you know, you know, just things that happen and why we need sometimes government oversight 
in certain businesses, and, and that's like, one of them. All would have been better than what they were doing there. Yes, I mean it's it's a crazy, crazy, crazy documentary, but it's on HBO Max called Class Action Park. So that's my top shelf today, this week. Oh God! All right, it's cool though, but you guys should watch it. You guys should definitely watch it. All right, <sighs> so is it that time? That's. It is that time. I am going to announce the end motion picture for episode number 14 for the Motor All right. So for episode 14, we are going to be discussing the motion picture. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Never ending story with Bastion. And the tray you. And the tray you. And the childlike princess, whatever her name is, I don't know. Childlike princess in the ivory tower. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and discuss those motion pictures. So, uh, that, that motion picture, the one. We're not going to talk about the whole series. All three of them, right? No, 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 no. We're not going to talk about all three of them. No, fuck no. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the classic Never Ending Story Part One. So, uh, FYI, we will be doing that from now on. Um, and as always, uh, we will be, that will be episode 13. Or 14, actually. This is 13. Like I said, we are thankful that everybody will let us have at least go through halfway through the alphabet this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're episode 13. Thank you, everybody who's listened to us so far. We're halfway through the alphabet. Uh, once we finish season one, we'll go to season two and we'll see where that takes us at that point. But, um, uh, gentlemen, is there anything you want to say? Uh, or am I just going to go with the theme of the motion picture? Do anybody want to say one last? No, I'm all, I'm all zipped up. I mean, You're all zipped up. Okay. I I know kung fu. There you go. That's how we're gonna end it, baby. <laughs> I know kung fu. Thank you, everybody. Peace out, the Motor Boys. <laughs>